0: pass it over first to spartan grown
1: what's up everybody i'm spartan grown uh you can find me on instagram all in one word spartan grown no spaces or anything like that there's i've had a rash of pretenders i guess so look for me there instagram that's the only social media i really use otherwise you can shoot me an email at spartan at gmail.com i'm an organic gardener here at home and then i also grow synthetically at
0: work commercially here in michigan Happy to have you back as always. And next up, Kyle of uh, Pure Breeding. Hey,
2: everybody. Uh, My name is Kyle. I specifically specialize in or typically deal with uh, Feminized Seeds. That's what I do. If you're looking for a website to find some, it's kind of slim pickings right now, but there is some things on there. Uh, It's purebreeding.com. I do have a, a, a whole new launch happening in like uh, 10 to 12 weeks from now really excited I have some brand new material coming out that no one's seen yet and uh really cool really have about that but uh yeah pure breeding on all social media platforms pure underscore breeding on instagram and uh happy to be here thanks
0: happy to have you back especially in regards to the first topic that we're going to bring up after the introductions uh, but before we get back to that i'm going to pass it next to matthew gates
3: Hey everyone. This is Matthew Gates. I'm an IPM specialist, a sense for integrated pest management. Most of you already know that, but if you want to find my content and if you'd like some professional help, you can find me at xenthanol.com. Also on my YouTube channel, zenthanol, which is the same one I'm commenting in the chat with. And uh, you can also find me on my Instagram at sinkangel, as well as on Twitter at sinkangel.
0: We're going to have some good ones from Twitter tonight. That's where I actually got the topic ideas for tonight's show. But before that, Dr. MJ, welcome back.
4: Hello. Yes, I'm Dr. MJ Coco from CocoForCannabis.com. You can find me there. Um, you know, let me talk about the COC a little bit. We do grow challenges. We have a chat room. Uh, we have a community forum. Um, and uh, yeah, I'd love to have you guys over to coco for cannabis um, looking forward to the show Super Bowl Sunday and I was wondering how many panelists would show up and how many audience members would show up and I'm still sort of wondering but uh happy to be here myself
0: I got a lot of the regulars I think hey, I uh, brought my Super Bowl with me
1: it's right here <laughs>
0: <laughs> what is that Super Bowl full of is the real question I do. that's a wonderful
1: question I can't even answer it I don't know I was trying to figure it out I just oh, got yeah, a shot at the jar at least yeah, there's a jar in the back of my drawer I'm like what the fuck is this I. There's no tags on it, no nothing, but it smells decent, and I don't know. We'll find out what it smokes like here in a minute.
2: I got a oh. bunch of that stuff, unlabeled. Yeah, I have like a like my not to sound weird, but like my underwear drawer. But like my whole drawer is just filled with like random bags of like gifts and things that people have given me. Uh, Jota Herb gave me some stuff that's sitting in there. I got like all kinds of random stuff.
0: That's a, sort of how my curator is, but I guess uh, tonight's show, we're, I labeled this the Bro Science Bowl, and people might be wondering, what's Jack talking about with the Bro Science Bowl? It is Super Bowl Sunday, so for those of us who aren't into the sports, or maybe you are, you'll watch the Super Bowl and then listen to this later. I thought it'd be a fun kind of semi-related uh, name, but it was actually really inspired by a post I saw on Twitter today, and I'm not going to name the names of the actual piece, I don't want to like oust these people or have anybody harass them. Everybody's learning, we're all learning together on the online cannabis space, but somebody posted So uh, the top started growing like this, y'all think it's a male. And then they posted a few photos and it's clearly a male plant, full-blown male. And then somebody replies, soak your seeds in colloidal silver, feminization of the seed. To which I was like kind of, from my understanding of feminization of seeds, that's not how the process works. So I said, um, that's not how that works. You have to spray colloidal silver on a plant or more commonly now, silver thiosulfate, STS, on a female plant, it changes it uh, into what's known as a male, but it can only throw X chromosomes uh, to give, which ends up producing female seeds. And that was the first topic of the night. So I figured, Kyle, you have personally made feminized seeds several times. So I'd like to hear your just thoughts on the matter. They, this person claimed you could soak seeds in colloidal silver to feminize them. So what are your thoughts today? I
2: mean, if that's a thing, I, I feel like the it's been hidden by like botanists for like ever because I have never heard of that.
0: Uh, <clears throat> We'd all be saving a lot of time. I think, right. Somebody might've figured yeah. that out and probably published it sooner.
2: It's Maybe. certainly interesting, but I, I mean, it's, there's definitely like a, a negative percentage chance that that actually works, but uh, it'd be interesting to try just to see what does come from it. Um, but yeah. And I've, I've used collodial, I've used uh, silver thiosulfate and I'm currently using, Uh, A new brand new product. I'm not going to plug it until it works, but uh, it's so different. Uh, Man, the way it's like this green powder and like the the plants like curl and morph. And it's like a whole different reaction from this stuff. So I'm very curious if it works. I mean, I sprayed last time I got screwed up because I sprayed uh, just New England rock candy and was banking on her. And I had two like five foot plants that returned, reversed and it failed so i basically if for anybody else too just to just not like talk about one thing but uh if you are trying to feminize plants that you definitely want to spray multiple so that if one doesn't want to uh relieve the pollen for you or release the pollen for you then you at least one of the, of the few you choose will uh, so don't just end deal it's a it's like a four-month mistake to try and bank on one and if it doesn't work so
0: yeah And um, when you have had success using the other processes, colloidal silver and silver thiosulfate, can you just walk people through? I know you and I used to be on the Breeders Collective, like I was talking about with Spartan Grown a while back, and those shows are really not even on YouTube anymore. But um, you and Adam from 2020 Mendocino kind of describe the process and how you actually go about taking a female plant, reverting it. Um, So if you could just give like the basic rundown for somebody who's never actually gone through the process of feminizing.
3: Yeah, uh,
2: I think there's like a rule list or a step list. Step number one is to find a female variety or strain, as people say, that is not prone to having intersex traits or easily prone. That is phase number one, or else you're just going to start your whole, all your projects will just be shit downhill. Um, So that's phase one. And you can do that by uh, stress testing plants, you know, uh, overfeeding, underfeeding, eye flower and solo cups and just kind of weird shit like that. And, uh, a lot of them will harm but the ones that don't whatever what one survived that process is kind of the stuff you want to work with um but so that's where you want to start phase two is that uh, for, for colonial silver um what you want to do is basically i mean they sell it online already pre mix and stuff or you can make your own with two silver rods and they sell kits i'm not gonna get into that whole part but if you when you are making that uh, that concoction, you want it to, if you take a, uh, a laser beam, like a cat laser, one that you'd play around with a cat yeah. and you can shine it through the glass, you want to get like a clear mason jar or something or just a regular clear glass, uh, you should see a solid red beam and that's telling you, that's basically telling you there's enough particles in there uh, uh, That's it's just, it's, there's enough particles refracting on each other that it's a thick enough coat to use for the feminizing process. And basically what's happening um, with that is, I mean, my analogy might sound stupid to some people, but the way I kind of describe it to people is like how human skin is porous. Well, plants have the same uh, t- type of porosity in in their uh, in their stems and such. So basically, what you're doing is you're trying to block those pores because uh, female plants uh, produce ethylene, and that's how they know they're girls. So if you block that, and they're not being able to uh, receive the ethylene, they think they're a boy, and because they're dioecious plants, they'll grow male parts. And uh, you're basically looking for those male parts because uh, those male parts will release female pollen. And you know it's female pollen because the girl you started off with uh, was a female or the, kind of all over the place with that. But silver thiosulfate is the same exact process. Um, you know, basically what you want to do is um, for both processes, silver thiosulfate. And if you're using SCS, you, you definitely want to wear uh, with anything, you want to wear uh, PPE, protective personal equipment. Uh, more so silver thiosulfate because if you look at the hazmat sheet on that, it's actually pretty pretty bad or the MSDS sheet. But um, yeah, you want to spray every third day. Everyone has has a, kind of a different um, a different way of doing it. My best reference to people to have like a literal tutorial is if you go to you type if you go into the Google search bar and you uh, go, type in steam space steam it STS. Uh, there's a couple of things on there that will basically give you an entire tutorial and that's how I started off with and They work. So it's, it's a good thing, but uh, but yeah, every third night you want to spray and uh, you know, you want to, I think after fifth or basically around 15 to 20 days of spraying every third day while it's in flower. uh, Then you want to throw the girls that you want to receive pollen into flower. And uh, basically the timing should basically be around what you're looking for
0: thank you for uh walking us through that i think it's important that the people here from a breeder's perspective who's actually made feminized seeds uh, successfully several times using multiple different processes that are available uh how it's actually done versus some of the bro science claims that you might see on twitter i've also heard facebook has a lot of um bro sciencey type claims too i'm not on facebook either like a, a good thing like spartan said earlier we should say the ones that we're on and <laughs> exclude that we're not on other ones because sometimes people do get impersonated spartan brandon uh kyle and others have all been impersonated but uh none more notorious than the american one who showed up fashionably late but he's always welcome cheers Tao. what's up
5: hello jack and panel and everyone in chat yeah my apologies for the tardiness i uh yeah i'm easily sidetracked and time slides by it's unbelievable but yeah i'm glad to be here
0: that's just how i know Tao is no i'm not gonna blame the cannabis um but we were talking about bro science earlier and Somebody made the claim that you could feminize your seeds by soaking them in colloidal silver in response to a post asking, is this cannabis plant male? Uh, the next claim, though, that I wanted to get into was somebody else. Was hey, I wanted
4: to toss a, a oh, yeah, couple yeah. of thoughts on this one.
3: I was curious to get before you start. I wanted to hear how that actually works from you, actually. So I'm sure you're going to go into that. But I wanted to make that known.
4: How for me?
3: Uh, yeah, like how the, the feminization process
4: Yeah, well, I I think Kyle Kyle covered uh, a lot of the the details of the mechanization of the process. I just want to make sure everybody sort of understood that what you're trying to do here is get a female pollen donor and the female mother plant to, to produce seeds so that those seeds only have DNA from females and they will all be female seeds. Um, so that's what you're doing with the, the colloidal silver or the SCS, is to, to get a female plant to produce pollen. And since that female plant only has female genetics, it will only pass on those female genetics, even in the form of the pollen donor um, to the next generation. And all of those seeds will be feminized. Um, but you know, the, the original comment that the, the person made about um, colloidal silver uh, this this I think really is a good example of probably where like all bro science comes from. Um, it, it sounds like that person had a little bit of, of information, a little bit of knowledge that there was something related to colloidal silver and making feminized seeds, and that their imagination fills in the rest. And it's like cannabis
0: telephone: somebody told somebody, and then somebody yeah. told somebody
4: else, and then along the
0: line. Everyone you know, changes. our
4: brains do a, a lot of interpretation of stuff that may or may not be there. Um, it's fascinating when you do the, like the optical illusion tests and stuff like that, how, how y- your brain fills in stuff that isn't actually there. And that's part of the process of, of knowledge acquisition. And in something like cannabis wear sources of information are sort of spotty and you're trying to pick up things. Oftentimes when people are talking about something else or you're only getting sort of fragments of stuff, um, your brain fills in a lot of the rest of that information and it makes up its own explanatory models for how these things work. So um, that person's explanatory model was, okay, colloidal silver is involved in making feminized seeds. I guess you soak the seeds in that and then they're feminized, um, right? I think 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 that that Result of Twitter.
0: I mean, where I'm finding the information. It originally only had 140 characters, now only 280. Think about this. We do a multiple hour-long podcasts sometimes and people right. can misconstrue the information, let alone in a 280 character tweet that is like less than the last, you know, 30 seconds I've been talking. So it's uh difficult to construe some of these. higher complex you know
4: talking directly about cannabis is still pretty new in in sort of media in general i mean it used to be really tough to find information at all about um growing specifically in cannabis and people would take bits and pieces from different things and misapply information from other areas but i really think it's that that little bit of information and you know the imagination filling in the rest is Where a lot of, a lot of the stuff that I call bro science, at least I think that's where it gets its start.
3: I mean, I have to agree. you having a little bit of knowledge, just enough knowledge, right, to do something, to do something troublesome with, right? (laughs) Well, just enough like knowledge, expert. like right. for example, so knowing moving. that colloidal
4: silver is involved in making feminized seeds. It sounds like that's probably the extent of that person's like solid knowledge, right? And everything else about how it might happen um, is sort of a product of imagination at that point. I mean, it makes sense that that's the kind of thing you would do to something, right? You would soak it in something. I mean, that, that's kind of like a process that we use for other types of things. Um, But no, I guess to get back to, sorry, Kyle's point and, and the main point about this, by the time the seeds come into existence, they gotta already be feminized. I mean, the feminization and what you're doing with the colloidal silver is to the parents to get the parents to make the right kinds of seeds. It's not anything that you do to the seeds. Once the seeds are the seeds, it's already baked in.
3: It's not magic, right? You're, you're changing a physiological process and their development. So they're already developed essentially. Right. right. They, it's they a, a genetic component.
0: That, right. So it's like, um, what you're doing is you're tricking a plant. Like, um, Mr. Soul from Cinderella 99 has done a lot of M work. And I think the way that he describes it, that probably a lot of people can connect to is like with women, there's estrogen with plants. There's ethylene. And if you take away either one of those things, then you st- like stop seeing the feminine traits and you can start to see more masculine traits. So you're forcing the plant to not produce ethylene either by hitting it with colloidal silver or silver thiosulfate. Like Kyle said, maybe it is, called, right. like I don't know, something with the uh, stomata of the plant, but I think that there's a chemical reaction occurring from s- silver, something silver, because silver thiosulfate and colloidal silver are both involved. So silver hitting cannabis stresses it in a certain way that tells it I need to reverse immediately into a male and start trying to produce male buds because it's trying cannabis ultimately is trying to survive so it's trying to reproduce for itself it's ultimately trying to pollinate itself or anything nearby it so you could self it it could pollinate itself and it could pollinate copies of its own clone or other things in the room but all those will result in mostly female seeds you might get like one in a hundred or one in a thousand that looks like a male but that will also only produce female seeds from what most right. people are coming to find. so
4: Right, and that, that's just because of the chromosomes that, that you're recombining, the female would have two X chromosomes. And so when you split that to make the reproductive cells, each one of them gets an X. A male has an X and a Y. So when you split that to make reproductive cells, so pollen in this case, half of it gets an X and half of it gets a Y, half of it becomes female and half of them become male. But when the the plant that provides the pollen only has Xs, all the pollen only has Xs and all of the seeds then will only have Xs, they'll all be female seeds. Um, This is the way that you do selfing with cannabis too, right? To to get a plant to, unless you're just selfing Hermes, but you... um, you flip the, you know, you put colloidal silver, you do NESTS or something else to, to get pollen from that plant and pollinate itself.
0: It's definitely a interesting process to give people more information on. And I'm definitely glad that we were able to cl- clear up some of the bro science and another comment on the very same post that has since been deleted, but I was able to get a screenshot because for science and, uh, you know, gotta <laughs> spread the good information. They said, so this one started growing like this. Okay. That's the original post. And then a person replies, this is not sativa in parentheses, male. It is indica female. So they were trying to say that sativa means male and indica means female, which I just kind of replied with um, the definitions. I said, actually, you know, indica and sativa are Greek and Uh, Latin.
4: This reminds me of, of thinking that dogs are male and cats are female.
0: like overgeneralization
4: right yeah yeah i mean obviously both species have both sexes right yeah 100 Um, well i I I think that's another categorization issue um with miscategorization we love to try to categorize things and understand how the different categories overlap and affect each other and without enough information we'll often sort of make spurious decisions about that
0: I just replied with the actual definitions. I was like I screenshotted it. It's a sativa, sativas and sativum are Latin botanical adjectives meaning cultivated. It is often associated with botanically with plants that promote good health used to designate certain seed grown domestic crops. And then indica says is a classical Greek and Latin term for of India. And like Lamarck in his travels uh, described some cannabis from India as indica. And that's a that's a term that's been around. It's it's used for other plants as well. It's not just exclusive to cannabis. Sativa is used about like garlic and other things. So I just uh And, and if you name actual... it
3: after if you named it after Stephen Colbert, like you did for some insects, several actually, believe it or not, then that must mean something else. No. Um no, but you're right. Like that being said, though, like taxonomic nomenclature can be very sort of like um not helpful. A lot of times the species epithets like you're talking about are, um, or even like, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a cultivar name or, or, or subspecies or something. Sometimes those are descriptors that are related to some aspect of the plant or whatever other yeah. organism, but sometimes they're just like, That's, I named yeah. it after my professor because I like him a lot. And it's like, ah, I know personally, I mean, I would be honored, but at the same time, I'm just like, I wish I'm a very functional type person when it comes to that naming. I like it if the naming means something helpful, like
0: or descriptive. It can get some. Yeah, or course. if
4: it's actually so. What is? I mean, that's where I think we get into some of the more potential bro science, and where we're all sort of, I think, and have been for a while, guilty of some bro science in the the classification of cannabis varieties and um m- whether you know sativa and indica are proper subspecies um yes. or not or the way that we're classifying the the strains that we know as being sativas or indicas if they're actually more related to each other than they are to um, right.
5: who's the authority that decides that stuff because mm-hmm somebody me. should yeah that's what i'm saying <laughs> I, think I, I, I mean that's me it's like i
4: decided
1: the indica sativa is an adjective to me it's not, yeah, a fucking noun. It it's, it's not a fucking noun it doesn't mean a classification it means it's a describing word either we're describing plant morphology when i'm using it when i'm using it i mean yeah describing I really plant, plant morphology or i'm describing a high like yeah, your sativa-esque yeah. high you know that kind of thing
4: I don't absolutely and i think that that's the more useful way to do it yeah. is to so either I describe did. the growth characteristics of the plant or the experience the the high. and by the way i don't necessarily think that those two things are always like connected by any stretch of the imagination a plant that grows like we imagine a sativa grows doesn't always get you high like a sativa high always does uh, i'd be interested to kick that around the panel and it, it think If you do think there's a correlation between sort of those, you know, growing characteristics and the the experience of use. I would argue it's
1: terpenes more that drives that.
4: Yeah. yeah, right. So that whole constellation of things that we think of like a, a wispier plant with a bigger internodal spacing and, and kind of less density in the flowers also being associated with sort of a, a daytime, more uplifting high. Although that, that constellation, I don't think really, I oh, mean, it's true. not valid across not. different kinds of strains. I agree
5: Definitely with Definitely not. But people will link morphology
3: is- of the leaf with the sort of chemical constituents and those aren't they're not like linked genetically so there's no reason to expect that to be the case and right. um there's a hundred a lot, there's years reasons ago it think, been. well no definitely there there are, apparently there are people who've recorded that to be the case but like you're not getting that in most cases nowadays
0: um, it's so hybridized right and exactly. so like people like uh, mel frank and um robert connell clark get like Everything is cannabis sativa L, but then they go to the subspecies and they're like, this is indica Afghanica and this is indica sativa. They want to break it down into different names that like, I'm kind of like Spartan where most people know it as indica sativa. They think of sativa as the taller, more stretchy plant or like the headier high indica is the squattier plant with the broader leaf and the more indica high. Yeah, and, but, for right, but I just, I, my, I want to destroy that whole paradigm that because I don't think can... those
4: clusters of things go together all the time. I was going to agree. I was just going to agree. It's always not that certain kind of high. That's I have, exactly what I'm saying. I
0: have examples, specific examples. Platinum Yeti stretched four times its veg height and it was the most indica effect. It was very thin-leaved, right. very stretchy and tall. It put me on the couch more than any other strain. Chemdog, long, stretchy, wispy, and it would look more like a sativa, but it hits you like an indica. Right. So the paradigm i think is one that
5: is
4: and i've grown broken. some of morphology. the some of the other uh, supposedly sativa ones that bulk up and have dense internodal spacing and all of that broader leaves um and, and still sort of smoke like a, a sativa would um and i think that a lot of people use that as a proxy they like look at plants and they have an idea of how sort of the effect of the high or they think that there's A a tighter correlation between these things than there isn't. So I actually think this is a perfect topic to get into on a bro science day because I think this is one that we all fall a a little bit, sort of victim of. Still, it's the land So so much of
3: our, oh yeah, well, so much of our um, experiences in general. You you've talked about this several times, um, uh, Doctor Coco, because like, I mean, obviously your experience dictates. where your environment dictates your own experience of
1: consuming
3: the product itself. Right. So like, let's make the ultimate concession here that like you're open to suggestion, your environment in which you're eating like a food or like any other intoxicants. I mean, it's an intoxicant, like it's an intoxicant. It's going to change how you perceive your environment. And so like all of these things come together, also your tolerance, right. And um, your mood right so all of these things have an effect as well
0: let's say you have a pound of something right and you try a hundred or a thousand times you're going to get a good kind of estimation of if it brings you up more if it brings you down more generally like even if you're a good mood bad mood some stuff does have an effect so i you think know. that yeah, yeah i hate the chemo type some strains will terpenes, put you
5: down for sleep for sure in my yeah. experience
0: yeah cherry pie was like that for me for a long time that's why i kept it around and loved it so much but the um regardless of my mood or whatever i was feeling like beforehand but some stuff doesn't always uh apply that way so you know i think a lot
4: of times things will just sort of accentuate what you're already feeling too like like if, if you had, you know, a, a tough day and you want to kind of just relax and unwind and smoke something, you know, almost whatever you smoke is going to have a different effect than if you smoke that same thing when you were like looking to go and party and and be up with your friends or something like that. Um, I, I definitely think that gets to what Matthew was talking about, how just your mood going into the experience has a big impact on, on how it overall affects. But I definitely agree with Jack too, that some things just are more uplifting. Um, Some strains that I I think of as being happy strains will make me happy even when I'm kind of in a grumpy mood otherwise or whatever, you know, and other strains will just sort of like send me into a deeper contemplative state or something. And I, I, I certainly like knowing that, but I think that's been the biggest sort of um, change from like just consuming cannabis that other people grew and and growing it myself is, is, you know, through the years really recognizing that those correlations between things aren't, aren't what ends up in the final product. So I definitely think there's differences in the final product and how they are, they would sort of push you in one direction or the other.
1: And then on top of everything, you have to modulate it by, it's going to hit everybody you usually you know if we, if we think of highs in two categories the indica sativa esque, then um you could have opposite effects with the same exact fucking strain with two different people two different body chemistries so
4: yes I, I, agree could smoke,
1: I could smoke it and say wow i was sleeping a half hour later and dr coco could sleep and said man i couldn't i got up and cleaned my whole house so that's another like thing coffee. that makes it really a difficult. So it, may, it really makes the case for how can you connect plant morphology with with a high when the, high's the yeah. high is guaranteed. Yeah, although part. I do think yeah.
4: there's a lot of, of I, you know, I, I think those cases where we'd have, like, opposite reactions are probably More smaller.
5: exception to the rules, yeah. Yeah, uh,
4: I, I think most people would have at least sort of in the same direction kind of experiences with things, although there's a lot of difference. But if you think of, like, one of the most – sort of uplifting, energetic highs you've ever had. Um, And then we've all had sort of the couch locky sort of like, wow, I'm staring at a wall for 45 minutes kind of high. Um, I would be surprised if if too many people, I mean, most people I think would follow that general pattern to a a greater or lesser extent, right? Well, like Um, one cannabinoid
0: I know for sure, like CBN, I know probably 20 or 30 people who've tried it uh, and a hundred percent of them say the same exact thing. It knocks them the fuck out. It's yeah, like very sedating, very heavy, um, pretty psychoactive for a little bit, but then they just fall asleep for like long periods of time. And I think that maybe cherry pie had some of that TBN be because I could wake up in the morning, like ton of energy and, or like be midday, no matter what time of day I used it, even if I wanted to do stuff, it would just knock me out half an hour later. Like it was, uh comatose like I, I couldn't use it during the daytime if i wanted to get anything done type uh deal so i do think certain cannabinoids um hit people generally like i write about in 50 Strains of green like green crack hit me as an uplifting strain but that was before i even knew the whole story it was just very uplifting and the reason that it was named that is because it's kind of the effects and um generally people across the board report that same as like blue dream it sold very widely because most people that are buying it are using it while they work and using it during the daytime and other like sativas, as people used to like, refer to them as um, generally do have an uplifting effect. Although coffee might make one person fall asleep or somebody can fall asleep right after a cup of coffee. Most people get energy from coffee. Caffeine but brings see, that's most That's where I'm pushing
4: out. back. Is the, is the sativas, when you say it that way, is that because, see, I think that that's more because of this particular varieties, um, you know, profile, rather than its genetic lineage per se. And if we're thinking about, what do those terms mean? Is sativa indica supposed to be subspecies designation? Is it supposed to just be a a classification for how cannabis affects us? Or is it supposed to be a classification for how cannabis grows? because that's exactly sort of the bro-science correlation that, that I think I'm trying to blow up here by saying that yeah, the I idea go that it. there's a subspecies that grows in a specific sativa-esque way and produces a specific sativa-esque high versus another subspecies that it grows in a more indica-esque way and produces a more indica-esque high. I, I don't think that those correlations are, are tight at all. Um, I think that the plants that produce the the sativa-esque are almost as likely to be, um, you know, have growth characteristics of a, a sativa plant or of what we call an indica plant. I, I really don't think that there's a positive correlation between them at all. Um, and if I'm there saying is, that there's a correlation you know, between enough that it would be predictive.
0: I'm saying between genetic specific genetic lineages and chemotypes. I believe that like Brandon Russ. Yeah. I believe you. I, I
4: follow you there, but are those chemotypes in those specific genetic lineages really linked to the, the subspecies sort of in, in the crematistics way of dealing with this and in, in sort of degrees of relativity of relatedness? Um, would we parse them into sub, subspecies like that? Or are these just different varieties that have emerged at different points uh, along sort of the, the family tree?
0: It feels too, like, messy with polyhybrids at this point. Everything is so hybridized. Right. Like, the what we have been describing as sativa is if you go to, like, Hawaii or if you go to India or Thailand, where you see these giant plants that are growing super tall and tend to have, in, in those examples, from most people's experiences that I've heard, um, tend to be more uplifting. But I don't want to, like, push that narrative because those it's were a very – they're rare to find those. It's hard to find actual un- hybridized ones out there in the wild some of those people have gotten seeds from the western world and the eastern world it goes all around amsterdam seeds make it to afghanistan and and the vice versa right so things are we're in a global economy shit moves up all over so you can't really necessarily even be sure when you go to india or thailand that you're getting pure land-raised stuff it might be cookie hybrids you know you don't know who's been there and how recently. <laughs> for sure for sure yeah definitely definitely yeah
3: and um you know it's, it's sort of this feeling of I think kind of authenticity, right? Which we've already sort of talked about already, but like just because you go somewhere doesn't mean you're getting this sort of authentic experience that you're expecting. But you might feel that it is the case. And if it's real enough for you, then maybe, you know, that's great. But uh, when you try to apply that to something that's more concrete, you know, it kind of fails because it can be very extremely hard to quantify or, or impossible to quantify. Um, I know that I've read, um, I don't remember the names of these studies, but, uh, like what you said, Jack, there are some, there were some older, de- um, delineations that were made and, uh, they were seeing like, you know, a sort of a sesquiterpene versus, you know, monoterpene, uh, difference in like production, like for some that were like the sativas or the indicas of, of that time period of those samples. But, um, you know, like it's sort of an evo-devo question too, because like that is arbitrary. You, you know, the, the production of those Cisco that could have just been a bias in an ambient population, uh, even back then. Right. Uh, People would cultivate for certain things and they'd get what they wanted from a combination of environmental genetic factors. But uh, like we were saying, they're not actually like linked, like, um, because we've seen it with polyhybrids and because it can be sort of obliterated, which is the terminology that was used in some of these papers. Like when people ask me about like narrow leaf dominance versus broad leaf dominance and and sort of the predictive nature of that, um, you know, I've had conversations with various people about that, even high high profile people who um, are very adamant that it's one way or another. Um, But it doesn't seem like that's what people have uh, recorded or documented, um,
0: so interesting so I'm anyways. Just sharing the screen as, um, an example of a time that I was wrong in the past where I sort of spread a little bro science and just, um, misinformation, I guess, where I used to call a lot of short plants, Afghanis, all short plants with broad leaf. I would describe that as like an Afghani looking plant. But then when I actually found an Afghan page that documents things that, I don't care if you call it indica or sativa tell me where it's from i like this this is afghan selections they actually go to the regions kash kundos shulgar i'm probably mispronouncing all these uh, Kushkak and bakram and you see they're all different colors they're all different sizes if you go through and look at the posts they give you different descriptions of each plant and they have different flavors this one's motor oil gassy uh fresh um it's just each one is very different from the last and they're not all one color They're not all one height, they're not all one plant shape and certain ones are growing in the desert, certain ones are growing in the mountains. It's just like to call everything Afghani when this page has done such a great job of identifying. I've showed this post in the past where they let the stuff, this is like their last crop of the year, they let it go into the winter. This is one of their hash crops, but it just shows the huge variety when you're talking about Afghans and cannabis. It's not just one short broadleaf thing there's a huge, huge variety of of colors and shapes and sizes of the plants and purposes that they're grown and places that they're grown Um, from giant bushy monsters like this thing to, you know, short little stubby things growing out in the desert to stuff that gets snowed on. Um, They have a huge variety from black leaf to green.
2: We know if there's any actual proof that those varieties are like indigenous to that region or is there any proof that says that or is there anything that could speculate saying that maybe... 5,000 or 10,000 years ago, those came from maybe Southeast Asia? Like, is there any, do we have
3: evidence and stuff like that out there? Some, but I wouldn't call it like, um, I mean, it's, yeah, it's very hard. I would definitely not call it like comprehensive, right? There's, there's, uh, there's some like haplotype research that shows like some basal populations to some that are related to like what we now have as like cultivars that we, that we use nowadays, like purple cush and things like this. Um, and even when I make that statement, you have to ask yourself which purple cushion am i even been talking about. Right. So there's that mm-hmm. question too, but, um, uh, no, cause those are
2: like, me thinks Ch- like well, some of things like, well, I'm not saying it is, and it's gonna sound foolish, but like, it could even be the same plant from Southeast. It's just adapted in, in the epigenetic epigenetics from that weather and that climate and that sun beating down in the short season is just tr- over thousands and thousands of years, turn it to what it is today like i don't i don't don't know if we really know i mean if you're giving it thousands
4: and thousands of years that's that's exactly how sort of adaptation speciation plays out um yeah definitely so at some point at at some point they were all related um so yeah i guess it depends on the time frame that you're thinking about According to,
3: according to the research I'm aware of, um, you know, cannabis and, and hops are descended from the common ancestor. Right. So, like, you go back far enough and, you know, there, there might have even been, and perhaps we'll find out that they still exist somewhere, but um, I wouldn't hold our breath. But, like, Dorophibia is a um, quote-unquote, like, cannabis genus relative, that's fossil that's been documented in fossils, but like there's not a whole lot of examples, and you know it's sort of one of those paleontol, paleontological classifications that doesn't really have a lot of basis here. But they're they're very likely were like you know um, how do I put this like uh, like a ring species situation where like uh, an organism will live on like a plain, for example, like some plains, and then there's a mountain. And then, like, over time, that population will scale that mountain, you know, over a period, maybe it's a plant, let's say. And then over time, they get sort of separated, potentially. So, like, a population at the top of the mountain can mate with the population in the middle of the mountain, but the top of the mountain and the bottom in the fields can't anymore. They become reproductively isolated. That doesn't always have to happen, but... um, this is probably well, some form of
4: isolation is usually is required for speciation to actually develop different genetic pools. Um, it doesn't have to be geographic isolation, although that's a, a common example. It could be, I mean, it can even be like social isolation. It can be some reason that the the, the two groups aren't regularly interbreeding with each other in order for them to develop different. Sort of genetic pools and, and different ratios of alleles in those pools, in order for um, speciation to start taking place. Adaptation can ha- happen across a species whenever there's sufficient sort of pressure on that species. Um, and the, so, it's those two processes that that drive the sort of speciation: is one group gets cut off from the rest and exposed to a different set of pressures. And that creates a sort of selection for different types of traits through time. And eventually they, they grow apart from each other.
3: Supposedly this is how aphids co-evolved to so many different species and why they're so good at doing that is that they, (laughs) they only really specialize on like a few, not all of them, but a few species. And that's because they were on the previous, you know, group of populations. um, And one other example of something that's non-geographic, and perhaps ge- geography plays a, a part in it, but like, I know there are examples of flowers of certain plants that like don't bloom at the same time. So like the seasonality changes. So like, as a human cultivator, you could manipulate that. Yeah, you know, there's, and, there's
4: organisms that breed at different times of the year, and they become. Mm-hmm. Um, reproductively isolated from each other just because they're not breeding when the other group is breeding um, or they use different signaling issues for breeding. Some of the really interesting issues on this is actually doing primate speciation in overlapping ranges. Uh, I think a lot of different monkeys have um, overlapping ranges and are physically capable of of mating with each other and producing viable offspring but they don't they like keep to themselves they use different signaling mechanisms to um recognize each other as potential mates um whether that's different coloration or different songs or different things like that that's what i was talking about it can even be like social but one way or another, that that's a necessary step in order to get two different species. It's you need to have one group become isolated. I cut in
0: because I think we're getting a little into the weeds talking about chimps. But yeah, um, maybe is, uh, mm. we we have modern breeders from the 1970s on in Afghanistan and elsewhere who have put in work, their families, this has been their legacies, their generations. They've either had to open pollinate. So even if they started with the same stuff from India a thousand years ago, by the time that they've got it now in, in 1900 to 1950 to 1970, their families have selected and, and grown for certain things, whether it's for seed, whether it's for hash, mostly for hash. And a lot of those people do actually go through and select. They'll pull out certain plants and save the seeds from the best plants. So they're changing. Within, even if it started as the same genetic pool, each year their crop is going to be a little bit different than their neighbor's crop because they selected for something, and so over time they're making these very distinct things. So, like, just kind of going back to the Afghani example, different
4: regions so like for different different varietal traits and and other issues like that, and that's really what a land race is. It's not a right. wild variety it's a variety that has been selected for a specific region and grown by a group of humans i mean humans cultivate land races um yeah nature is probably the first
5: uh, selector like if you have one that can't take the pm of a certain area that'll nature will take it out on its own right yeah certainly
4: it has to be viable in that climate zone and stuff like that but like what Jack's talking about in terms of selecting for, for specific traits or, or for specific resistances or other things like that. Or some do um, and some
0: don't, you know. like the, the, issue, the one
4: thing I wanted to point out, though, you're talking about one farmer is going to be different than his neighbor. That actually doesn't happen so much because farmers share seeds. Um, in almost every traditional farming system like this, neighboring farmers share reproductive materials with each other. I, I witnessed a lot of that with farmers that I worked with. Um, so the the land races develop in communities and are maintained by communities, but not by individual farmers as much. Right, right. So that's why so you got the like, these those are all
0: names of, of local areas in Afghanistan. Right. Like exactly. Balk is a province. All those exactly. people in that province grow for that. So their neighbors, technically, is the wrong term. Their actual neighbors are growing the same thing as them, but their neighbors in Afghanistan to other cities and regions are growing different things. So they yeah. all have different products from different regions. And, and that, that's that sharing of,
4: of varieties is one of the ways that the selection really happens because somebody will have a a good harvest or somebody will survive something that a lot of other people didn't and they'll share seeds with the rest of the people in that community. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's how a big portion of the selection for those specific locally adaptive traits happens.
0: Well, I think that's a much better way than Indica sativa. If you ask me to start labeling things by the region that they're grown in, by who they're bred by, uh, tell what those regions are like. It's it's beautiful, and you can say this one's grown in the desert. This one's grown in the mountain. This gets snow. This one doesn't. It's like that's yeah. much more useful information, I think, for people than indica and sativa. And uh, I, I'm I'm for moving away from that paradigm as well because there's well, a lot of better information elsewhere.
2: Hopefully, one day in the future, we we're looking at stores and stores are not staring at numbers or percentages. You're looking at uh, you know chemo profiles. I think that would be like. I don't know if we're ever going to get to that point in the
5: industry where people are educated in that manner, but it'd be kind of nice. Yeah, I was going to say at this point, Jack, all we get is this one's good in the attic and this one's good in the basement. People don't even know where this stuff's coming from. I mean, you know what I'm saying?
2: Because I've, I've asked people that myself. I'm trying to like cater to people and it's like, well, what do you like? They're like, oh, I just want to get high as shit. I'm like, yeah, but like, well, what are you looking for? I just want to get high as shit. I'm like, all right, well, there goes. And then I got that from a lot of people as an answer. So. <laughs>
4: there are people that can give population. you more articulate answers than that. I will there, say. Yes, there are. Yeah. yeah okay, hey, but it's valid. valid.
3: I'm just going to say it's not
4: invalid.
0: And it but. is a section of the population. Maybe they want to get high as shit and have it taste like strawberries or they want to have it be tasting right, right. like gas or they don't give a shit how it tastes.
4: And then just, I mean, I've never talked to anybody like, oh, I'm
2: looking, I'm, I'm looking for a specific cannabinoid profile. I mean, it's very rare, but you, it's those conversations. No, but you'll watered. talk to people that
4: say, I want something that helps me think or, or sorry mm-hmm. to, to sleep, or I need something to, to help with appetite, yeah, yeah, okay. okay. or. You know, I have arthritis or something. You'll find people with with those kind of concerns or I don't want something that makes me paranoid or I don't want something that's going to make me lethargic and, and stuff like that. And, you know, to be honest with you, I think that's probably the the way that this could go and that some some of the commercial brands are going like labeling i think jack brought this up a while ago like labeling one like you know sleepy time or something cannabis and then you have your like study hard cannabis or something i i don't know you could imagine doing that and skipping sort of the, the chemical profile if if we knew sort of which chemical profiles produce those
5: and that would be only for most people cuz some people like spawn and yeah i've experienced Correct. too
4: Correct. But I, I do I think like there's it. enough of something there that people that's might be able to, to figure out the how they respond to those types, too. I really, The, think the, the audience, market-
0: the paying customer, they can say, this one didn't put me to sleep, so they'll take that strain out of the line, right? So there's like Calm, Cruise, whatever. I think it's, uh, I can't even remember the name of the brand. Oh, but-
5: that's yeah, that's a great idea.
0: It, it gives them an option to start working with whatever their local crowd is desiring for those types of effects that they're giving feedback on. I think it is possible. It's just not going to work for a hundred percent of people, just like any uh, substance, I guess.
1: I think it's the, the danger. And I, I bring this up in the past. and I'm going to keep bringing it up. But the danger that we all have is we're sitting in this bubble of knowledgeable we're like, I don't like tooting our own horns, but if you look at us as compared to, anybody you stop on the street and talk to about cannabis is likely we're going to know a bit more about it. And so I think Kyle's absolutely right. And this thing's all driven by the market it's driven by the consumers. And we're at the infancy of this. We're at the very infancy of this as an industry, as a commercial industry. So you have to remember that the general populace is also at a knowledge level of it coming in with an infancy amount of knowledge so it's just going to take time it's going to take time and education that's why we do the show um, to just get the information out there i think one of the best things that isn't really be you isn't being utilized a lot right now that could be that would help in in that fight would be at the customer level to educate the bud tenders or whatever you want to yeah whatever, definitely. whatever title you have on it so they know what they're dealing with and that's jet in, in Michigan, what I'm seeing in this market, that's generally only being done by certain brands. Like if you're a brand representative, they'll actually hire somebody to be just a brand rep to go to different every different dispensary and educate not only they have a vendor day to educate the public, but they'll educate all of the people working there at the time too, to try to pass that information on to get it to the consumer because there's so many channels closed to us. You can't advertise, you can't, you know, do this and that. So it's kind of like a grassroots education thing. And then you're pushing back against all the false information that's been propagated, you know, the whole life. So I don't think that it's uh, something that's not going to happen. I just think it's, we're pushing in that direction. It's just going to take a lot of time and a lot of education to get there. Well, For my part, ways. I
4: think bud tending should be a higher paid job that, but sort of more training goes into than it is now. It What's seems exp- to be pretty yeah. much treated like a minimum wage job with no training requirements whatsoever. So. Yeah, I can, um, That's a big, big problem in the industry right now. Yeah. considered an From that entry side, level. I think that's what the customers need to show is that they would, that they'd be interested in that. I mean, this is something that gets away from sort of the home grow crowd quite a bit, but um I, I don't, I don't know, but yeah, I've never been particularly overwhelmed with the, the kinds of knowledge that bud tenders I'd interacted with had. And that just seemed like they'd never been trained. I think brand reps help
0: though, uh, because sometimes they don't know until you tell them, right? So if you have a really good brand rep who can educate them, bud tender education, the, the line
4: between propaganda and education there is pretty tenuous when it's a brand yeah. rep that's doing the education to the, the point of sale, Um, I I understand that for the the brand's interest. It's absolutely in the brand's interest. But whether that's the best way to get reliable information to the consumer is probably debatable.
0: Have you guys heard of the show Shark Tank? Oh, yeah. So
4: everybody comes in and they pitch their
0: idea, right? Everybody says, I got the best business ever, right? But some of those businesses are bullshit and some of those businesses are legit. And so the point of sale, like my wife, she works at a cannabis Uh, delivery service she deals with the brand reps and all of them come in and say we got the best shit ever we got the best shit ever but by their promotional material you can tell who they're marketing to what type of knowledge they have um and maybe even sometimes the quality of the product if they display the photos and grow and other things like that and they do have the ability to give um, samples to the bud tenders and point of sale people so that they can bring it home and try it sample it themselves and my wife makes decisions on what brands to bring on based on what's actually good in her experience and what's not. So it's not like she just says, oh, this brand rep said this. Yeah, no, I I, 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 I get it.
4: But she's doing that due diligence that you just can't assume every bud tender is gonna do, right? So no, I agree. I'm not saying that- They're the exception not the rule. Do that. Like I'm just about. saying that you have to do that. And it's, it's a tenuous way for the market to be set up. It should really be the employer's responsibility to train the bud tenders, not the vendor's responsibility. <laughs> Um, like, you know, if you work in a bar, sometimes the alcohol reps are going to come and and talk to you about their alcohol, but it's fundamentally that the owner of the bar, the manager, the bar has got to teach you how to like make the drinks and and talk to you about sort of those different issues. You can't just rely on the vendors for that. I think it's a danger
1: to go down that whose responsibility is, and I think it's better to come at an aspect is like this is a giant problem that's everyone's respect. it's a
4: giant problem so but like my he, wife has it has to be up it. to the she shop to, to put a preference on that right and i, agree, I guess I this you, yeah. it's got to be up to the customer to want that but um in, in, I mean, yeah. so has,
5: has anybody worked at a dispensary because i would imagine like the blood tenders like yo when they do that drop i'm taking all of that product is that people that when do there's that good in stuff? Song, they'll they'll you. yeah. They don't allow they you
1: to just take it. You got to uh, you
5: buy it. Well, I mean, pay to to for it, it. it. right? Yeah, 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 but still, like I bet you, all the best stuff never even makes it to the shelves. That's it's not the true. The owners? No, that's not true. Okay, no, no it sticks
0: around. They get enough volume that they will pick out you know their favorite things and they'll get some of it. But you only have so much money, right? These are bud tenders. They're getting paid minimum wage in some right, cases right. because it's yeah, an entry level job. So even at discount, they're putting that money back into the company. But like in my wife's business. She's not like an owner. She's just one of the higher ups. And she goes through the effort of making slide decks for like Jungle Boys is one of them, where they didn't give her a slide deck. She went through and did research on the company that they brought on. And she gave information to the tenders that they could pass on to the customers that they might be interested in. Because like with any uh, new industry or new product, you have to do education to the customer or the patient. They started off as medical only. Now they're actually doing recreational. But I think it's important to educate no matter what. Because sometimes people have no idea even t- to look for terpenes. So if you give them a piece of paper that says these are the top terpenes and this brand grows these strains that have these as their top terpenes and they have been known to have certain types of effects or smells or flavors, you might want to be interested in these. And it gives people their own uh, option to then empower themselves with that quick bit of information, and kind of like cheap. i I don't know i was impressed Uh, maybe it's because my wife i I mean i think she's doing a great job but
4: she's playing the role of the neutral arbiter right she's playing the role of the the dispensary's role of trying to teach the customers about the different products that they have available and and that's really appropriate i just think it becomes i I don't know you can't just rely on the manufacturers on the growers to be like because they're all going to be like my stuff's the best and it cures everything and um I see that. A lot. You know, getting back to the, the original lot. point yeah. though that I was making about bud tenders need to be paid more, it's like pharmacists aren't paid minimum wage. And if, if we're taking cannabis as, as seriously as treating medical conditions, we need knowledgeable people that can talk to patients about um you know what what is the best medicine for them and i think that that too often that just becomes sort of like the the political lingo about it not sort of the way that a lot of the this is actually done but that's a point you know healthcare professionals should get paid more than minimum wage and they should have knowledge that they can help their patients with well and like educating doctors sorry matthew go ahead
3: oh sorry i was just gonna say you know like safety for example like um you know, the insurance that the product that they're going to get. I I mean, this is, this is uh, of course very, like you said, uh, Dr. Coco tenuous because people, um, you know, businesses and stuff have an incentive to move the product. And, and so like, you know, assuring that like the product is going to be safe. Like no one's going to say, Oh, I don't know. You know, we sprayed something. I don't know what it is, but it's fine, man. Don't worry about it. Like nobody's going to say that um you know so so i guess right.
4: really i'm just advocate- or if you go in there and say you know i have i have a problem with insomnia and i need a strain that's going to help me with insomnia they're going to tell you something whether they know what it is or not they're gonna be like hey you want to try this right. um I, I think there should be sort of a little bit more behind that than that because if you went to the pharmacy desk at your local pharmacy and said that they're not just going to be sort of like mm-hmm. pulling a name out of their hat they're going to be basing their recommendation on on some form of knowledge that they've been <laughs> trained with
5: People Google,
1: they'll Google search shit like that. I bet too. Everybody wants to know it. They you think <laughs> well, people I would? Do. Yeah, you're, you're right. right. You Hope. think you're people right. would? You don't know they how don't. many questions I answered that you could get with a Google search. You can get the answer.
0: Right. to You are correct. Well, well an educated Google search—you know what to look for. They don't even know what, what to be. type in. Right. Right.
4: Yes. I don't even can. know
3: like, the right question to ask. As a, as you can't as a, Google as a, search example.
4: before you get to the dispenser either because you don't know what's going to be available necessarily or sort of, it's got to be amongst the, the choices available, you know?
0: Right. Well, the things right. I want to push back on is you're not going to get pesticide in the California or Michigan legal markets because they're testing the shit a lot and that's not going to happen.
5: And if it does. What about something they don't test for? I'm sure it still happens, but not as well. That, that could as, come through. Right. Yeah.
0: But that's why I always advocate growing your own. Obviously, I don't want to beat that on. Yeah. We always do beat that drum. But, um, one thing i wanted to get back to was educating doctors traditional doctors mm-hmm. like non-420 doctors not the ones that like write your medical recs like your actual doctor. You yep. might go if you like break your ankle or you know you have a cold and you go into even like an er doctor giving them like real white paper examples like um i've talked about granny Stormcrow in the past where they have that um there's like a list of medical conditions and then white papers that have examined how cannabis might be beneficial for them and scientific setting so yeah. it's not just like the bro science model that you can actually go to doctors and be like hey i have i'm a- i have insomnia and here's 40 studies that show people with insomnia are helped by CBN by THC and by certain varieties of cannabis CB- CBD CBDA whatever it is you know you can give mm-hmm. them actual research and say how come i've never been suggested this like have you ever considered this option and just be friendly about it be kind to them like that when i used to work at a, other delivery service myself um my boss and i that was one of the things we did we'd go into doctor's offices we'd call them ahead and ask like hey would you mind if we came by and uh, met with you we work for this company and we're just trying to spread some education and sometimes we'd leave paperwork or whatever and you'd be surprised if you're just friendly with people and um offer like what they are using that
4: yeah Uh, drug reps do that to doctors too that's that's sort of the issue right is that somebody else is going there and and trying to sort of make the same deal with doctors. You know, I think I'm one of the only people, if not the only person that I know that was actually originally referred cannabis by my normal doctor. Like I didn't go to a cannabis special doctor. Um, It was my rheumatologist and I wasn't able to get medicine I had been taking previously because insurance stopped paying for it. Um, So it was in that context that he recommended that I try cannabis um but yeah i found that experience was pretty rare most people's sort of traditional doctors that they go to for other issues aren't the ones that are recommending them cannabis and so what everybody is doing is trying to bring proof to a cannabis doctor that they have some other affliction that should qualify for them for that um so I definitely agree with that, with that statement, Jack. If, do you guys know other people Am I way off base here, but is that, is it common for people to get recommended cannabis by their everyday doctors now, or is that still um, primarily something that people are only getting when they seek it out themselves?
3: I don't feel like it's that common. Uh, say not
4: yet. It's
0: not, not common enough yet in my opinion, but I'm, I'm a cannabis advocate, so I'm biased. It, I'm right. obviously going to say. It floored me. That. I, me. I, I, got a, I
4: didn't expect it at the time. And I mean, we had been through an issue earlier by marriage about not smoking cannabis. So I was like, are you, are you kidding me? I'm like, I, I'm going to be able to go back to my wife and be like, no, the doctor said I should do this.
3: <laughs> She's not going to believe me. Can I have a note? Uh, yeah, Seriously. Well, we I live know, in California
4: like where, is, where
0: they have those doctors. You can go, I go to a doctor who tells me every year, if you pay me X amount of dollars, you can get your medical rec. And if you pay yes. more, you can get a plant count. Yes. That's a little bit yes. higher. That says you have a limits exemption. So yeah, that, that also happened to me
4: in California. My doctor didn't have the licensing, I guess. I'm not entirely sure what doctors have to do to register or whatever to be able to write those scripts, but he wasn't able to write it himself and he had to refer me to like a cannabis doctor and the cannabis doctor was like, okay, you know, blah, blah, blah. I didn't, didn't do any other sort of independent medical evaluation of the suitability of this for me he just had the capacity to write the, the cannabis script
0: you were probably the most legitimate recommendation he had ever gotten ever. <laughs> every other person right. he's risking his like do or whatever medical uh you know thing that he's gotten to give that script every other person he's risking it because it's like some yeah he's healthy 18 year old take By five minutes <laughs> He said, this would be easy. (laughs) Oh, man, this is legit. I'm just going to sign on the dotted line. I remember
1: like several years ago. Kyle's got to jump out of here soon, guys. Oh, yeah,
0: shit. Sorry. I said I'll let you out, Kyle. And then I just totally forgot because I was puffing. But uh, Kyle, it is uh, 8 o'clock over there, 8.02. And you said you could only stay till 8. So I figured I'd give you the chance now. Since Spartan reminded me to give your final thoughts and shout out.
2: Yeah, I feel bad always. Well, not I wouldn't say always, but I definitely in the more later times that we've been doing, so I'm leaving early. But it's not because I don't want to be here. I just uh, just late here, and I wake up really early, and I have a lot of stuff to do. It's just hard. But um, I am so glad. I love doing this. And I was just thinking about today how we've all been doing this for such a long time now, and we still haven't met each other. But hopefully that comes sometime soon. But yeah, uh, I was actually just at the dispensary yesterday. I got some tinctures. I got some uh, some gummies, and I was I had asked them something that it was basically like a chocolate bar and i'd asked him it just had like uh you know total cannabinoids in it and i was like well, well like what did you use for a variety like you know they didn't, and he was like oh it's just it's just uh cannabinoids I'm like right but you don't know what like what plants created your chocolate bars it, you know it, profiles chemo, like basically nothing You know, it's like so it's just a, kind of a point that you guys were all making today it's like man hopefully someday they have maybe a little more information for the consumer on what i'm buying like you know it's just basically it's a chocolate bar with 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 weed in it but that was all i got for information but uh um yeah we'll see anyways i have hope for the future and i think as a group we'll all i think eventually it'll get there i'm not sure where that is but we'll get somewhere but uh yeah so purebreeding.com if you want some feminized seeds um there's not many there's not much on there but there is a lot more coming uh pure breeding on all social media platforms pure underscore breeding on instagram and please feel free to reach out if you ever want to chat i'm I'm heavily on instagram mostly um and thanks for having me guys and i hope you guys all safe uh safe night i'll see you guys next weekend
0: see you next weekend and uh i just want to say thank you for the info at the beginning because even if i said the exact same words that you said about feminizing the seed some people out there because i haven't firsthand done it myself aren't going to respect my opinion as much as they would you because you've actually done it. And I think that's a, a good thing for people to vet people's information from firsthand examples. So I appreciate you actually giving the uh, firsthand details about how to feminize and how the process actually goes. So thank you, Kyle, for joining us and have a great week. Yeah, you yourself, care. Kyle.
3: Take care I just guys. wanted to sh- take care. I wanted to share though, that um, I had a gastroenterologist several years ago. I saw him on 420, and I swear. He was high. He was definitely high when I talked to this man. I'd never talked to him before, so I have no baseline for his behavior. But I mean, the guy. Did you was, see
4: him at like the cannabis rally, or was it like at his office for an appointment?
3: At his office, at an appointment. Okay. It was.
4: I'm
1: four twenty.
0: That's a, what a special four twenty treat. Were yeah, his eyes I mean, red? Did he smell like cannabis? What was the giveaway?
3: It was like just he was just. Oh, he, I mean, it was just he was very giggly and. It was just, just high. Sort of, yeah, I mean, I mean, I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure that that was my interpretation. I feel like it was just out of it was not normal behavior. But I you said like, you
4: hadn't seen him before, or he's like right I have no
3: baseline, baseline. Yeah, I know behavioral baseline.
1: How spicy did way the way. Well, I how get, Matthew.
3: I know it could be. I mean, you're really here insinuating here. him.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, what also made me feel like it could be the case because, and this is why I bring it up. Um, he was telling me that because uh, uh, we were actually talking, we did actually talk briefly about uh, cannabis and um, he seemed to be pretty for it. So I just put those two things together and I felt like it was right, but I could be wrong. I did want to ask that one question though. This is the thing about the bro science, Is it, First of all, one of the questions that we get a lot is the talking about the bro science of um, being able to sex a, uh, the seed of a cannabis plant Um, That one's kind of, uh, that one's not true, Uh, but also the idea about um, the entourage effect and uh, sort of distillate and sort of like, or rather I should say more like the separation of certain cannabinoids and those sorts of things, because I think that it is true that having multiple agents in effect at the same time gives you a more potentially anyways, robust effect Depending on what you're trying to do with it. And that context is key. But um I don't know. Before I feel we get like- too,
1: Matthew, before oh. we get too far from it, I'd like to just and I don't ever get to do this, so it's not like I'm reveling in it. But can we can we all agree to upgrade the uh I can't even think of what did you entourage effect? Can we upgrade entourage effect to ensemble effect? Dr. Itin Ruto, I think, and actually before him, uh Dr. Greenspoon, I believe, was the first one that was talking about it.
3: Why because they're wearing all the same clothes?
1: No, because ensemble is more like everybody's more playing an equal part to make something great rather than yeah. one playing more than the other. Where THC was kind of early on, effect. yeah. So, the, so they like the ensemble rather than the can you think? I, of I it mean, one? well, then we could
4: get if that's the <laughs> linguistic Entourage. distinction, which I understand that linguistic distinction. Entourage refers to one leader with a bunch of supporting cast, and ensemble sure. refers to everybody playing an equal role and producing the whole. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm I'm kind of leaning and I could be talked out of this, but THC is probably the leader of this pack. Um, and yeah, it it high, driven, so it can be driven, but it can be I, I'm not sure that entourage isn't appropriate. Yeah,
3: well, that's actually that actually gets to the heart. I actually appreciate that input, uh, Spartan, because that does get to the heart of what I was saying, which is that, like, um, I see this perspective and I guess it's not really bro science because I don't think it's necessarily wrong, but um, I can't imagine like, there's certainly other pharmaceuticals and just other compounds that people are like trying to ingest and like make use of in plants and like in general and like other foodstuffs for that matter that we sequester. And so like the idea that like separating them out is necessarily bad all of the time, I think is a little bit ridiculous, but the idea that, they can work together in an ensemble or in a in sort of a collective Uh, of course it really depends on what you're trying to accomplish with it at the end of the day it might make much more sense to only use one two or a few together Um, or it might not you know and there's logistical reasons for that there's medical reasons physiological reasons Um, I guess what my question is is do you think that it's, I mean, I guess that's sort of a fake, but I already gave my answer, but do you think that like isolating these cannabinoids necessarily takes away from their effect? I mean, I can't imagine that's the case. I can't imagine that like, like salicylic acid, like aspirin or, or other sorts of things. Like it's just less than only... the
0: total
4: effect. Like you're talking about yeah, comparing it to an know, entourage or an It's targeted,
3: right? It's targeted. Why is that
0: bad? I don't know. Well, no, there are some things bad. that
4: only work well in combination with other things though, Matthew. Mm-hmm. That's very true, too. CBD, for example.
0: I want to fight for the THC being the leader. I do think the entourage is appropriate because, in my experience and in cannabis's experience, I think what kept it alive was people liked getting high off of it for a long time. That was part of the enjoyment. And hemp had small amounts, small amounts of CBD, small amounts of THC, but it wasn't for the high. It wasn't for the medical effect. It was for the fiber and the seed. THC was a thing that kept cannabis around for a long time, and we bred it way up. That was the thing. Even before we had testing, people were subconscious, didn't even know that it was called THC, and they were
4: selecting for it. So I think they were selecting for it because they could recognize it.
1: I would argue that that was a medicinal purpose, and I argue that it was around because of how medicinal it was. And if it wasn't medicinal, it was harmful like some of these other drugs, it would not be as popular
4: i can I agree, agree with that. that too but i think jack's point about the the people could people yeah. selected high thc varieties and through time we developed higher and higher thc varieties because people were subconsciously selecting for it because yes that's what they like but
5: but there was definitely but it's also a other point.
4: cannabinoids they're picking as well yeah
5: hold on let me point let me uh, add my two cents the thc is like the president and the terpenes are like the people guiding what our government should right. do kind of right but, then that's Entourage. Uh, now I, yeah, now I just lost what I was going to say. Shit. So I I wanna, can, well, oh, yeah, no, about the breeding. So some of the old school strains that they had cuts of that were all killer and were killer, and people thought were high THC were only, you know, they were higher, I guess, at the time. But now, you know, now... 15% Saturday,
0: is still pretty high. I mean, it, if you're comparing it to hemp, which has 0.3, oh, and low yeah. canap- so, like, you're going to get stoned. To that, a 15 percenter high. that you hit twice, think about this, essentially is like smoking a 30 percenter that you hit once. It's a, if you're doing the actual milligrams or is it even
5: actu- right. of THC. Right. But my point is, like, yeah, I think it's a lot more, uh, when the distillate, if you just do straight THC, it's definitely a different experience. I mean, I only tried it once. Oh, but sure. I yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah, yeah. a gummies with it. But, it doesn't um, make it bad that's though why, right that's why kyle right. that's why the guy didn't know what was in his edibles because they just weigh out the distillate so they know exact uh measurements of the you know milligrams and stuff and on that, that point be-
3: about the distillate and like putting in edibles like uh, here look like the cooking process is going to obviously change things a lot process a lot are those things even are some of those things even active at the end who's testing for that you know, this, you know, oh, it came from this cultivar that has this high level terpene. Well, yeah,
0: it's the, time look read, like at the it, end? it's gone. Yeah, yeah. You <laughs> should look right. at Colorado's testing because they're actually doing a really good job with the edibles and the different types, like a gummy versus a brownie, and how to make sure that there's a certain number of milligrams per different thing. And um there are terpene-infused certain ones. And I do believe that the terpenes create more of an effect than a distillate. Like I've had a hundred percent THC distillate cart. And the effect from that is not as good for me personally as a. I've got one right here, uh, mostly distillate, but it's got a bunch of terpenes mixed in, which a lot of people look down on this. It still gets me very well medicated and it tastes great. But I've also had live resin. It's the same thing. When you look at the percentages, it's anywhere from like 70 to 90% THC. And then the other percentages are mostly terpenes and minor cannabinoids. So it works. But I wanted to give an example that I've brought up a bunch of times. This guy Colton, who's come on Hash Church many times. CBD distillate, like alone, Uh, pure CBD saved his life. And he was a young man. And if that's what worked for him, then that's great. I mean, it it works for some people. So if that's what works for you, perfect. But I do believe that there are a lot of people that benefit from CBD plus uh, even a tiny, like if I know people took 30 to one, like 30 parts CBD, one part THC. And that was more effective than if they took 60 milligrams of CBD alone. I'd like to just
4: I think some of the some of the um, cannabinoids like CBD probably is a good one. Do a lot of stuff just on their own, um, and THC I think is probably pretty undesirable on its own. But it, I you know, it's been described this way, and in my experience, it's pretty true. It, it, it's like the the raw power of the high, um, and everything else moderates, it. everything else sort of affects the specific expression of that. Um, so I wouldn't want pure THC isolate people that take that have reported unpleasant experiences. Um, that's but- what Marinol
0: is. The pharmaceutical version of THC is Marinol. It's basically a synthetic THC isolate and it gets people very paranoid. And they don't right. like the, it's it's too strong of a high for them. It's right. like a I want to push back
1: industry. on this a little bit, just my input on it. And yeah, maybe it's a little bro science. Maybe it's a little spiritual, whatever, but My input on it is just experience with healing people with the plant. And I know that I don't have the, I don't have the chemical knowledge in my head because we're still fucking trying to figure this plant out and what all these chemical compounds do. But what I do know is that nature has a damn good way of balancing shit out on its own. So when you start distilling things down and trying to mix your own combinations of these chemicals, I think that's where we can get into trouble. So I prefer to try to keep the plant whole as far as I still make, um, I guess it would be a distillation. I still make, no, it's not a distillation. I still make a concentrated, I concentrate what's there in the plant with uh, RSO or dry sift, things like that. But it's still in the same concentration, same balances that the plant has put it in. And I'm not messing with that. And, the, and I find that if I include the widest range of uh, plants, If I'm speaking just on cannabis, I'd be talking about different cultivars. Then I pull an even more wider range of these cannabinoids and these other chemicals. I don't even know all of them, but there's so many, you know, the flavonoids and and the terpenes. I'm trying to pull and extract as many of those as possible because I've found just in my own experience that that medicine works so much better. Than even a single source plant, even, even like if I grew a giant outdoor plant and and ran that all into RSO, that RSO is less effective than if I just run, you know, the same yield in flower, but 10 cultivars and run that into RSO, that seems to be much more effective as far as reported back, you know, I, I feel better or, Hey, cancer's gone, you know, things like that. And I'm not saying that the single cultivar doesn't work. I'm just saying it's just not as effective. So I think the more you go down the route where you're the single target, like Jack's example um, with the CBD, I'm not saying that that's terrible. I'm not saying that's probably great because the price point when you can get it, you know, CBD is probably at a point to where he could afford to, to do that to help himself. But I would just wonder what if, what if we have got him a high CBD full spectrum tincture or full spectrum RSO, Would have been the same effect with half as much product. Would we not have had to use that much CBD? You know, things like that is 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 like don't throw out the the bath the baby with the bathwater kind of a thing. We're still studying this plant. We don't know everything that's involved. I like the full plant spectrum, and I've just seen it work
0: better. I'm with you on that. Rick Simpson recommended five strains for his RSO mix, and he was the one who famously started helping a lot of people with cancer. And I think that there is something. Like we always find out, like even with this most recent pandemic, it's like, it's not just THC, it's CBGA, it's CBD, it's CBDA, and they all have different things. One inhibits, one prevents you from getting infection. They all have different things. So if you're like Spartan taking 10 different strains and mixing them together, maybe one of those, like the combination of all of them, or maybe one of them cures the specific type of cancer that that person has, but you're giving yourself more of a a chance. It's a, a more wide, broad swath. It's more of a shotgun effect, shotgun approach, I guess, than a specific approach, but it tends to be, in my experience, also more effective. I I prefer that type of medication, like the farmer hash, even like if somebody takes all their trim from the whole year and makes one type of hash versus separating out every single strain, I prefer them all mixed versus the single
5: strain.
4: I I agree. I think for most of us for most of the reasons that we're using cannabis, we're going to prefer a, a really broad spectrum. A lot of different things mixed together. I like mixing different flour together and smoking it at once, um, switching up and, and sort of moving from strain to strain is another way to sort of accomplish that. I think we all do these things because we, we all enjoy sort of the benefits of, of that. I, I also think that there are some specific targeted medical conditions that may be best treated by selectively activating, you know, the CB1 or CB2 receptors um, and with specific cannabinoids. Um, and there's going to be other types of, of medical uses that, that are more sort of prone to a broader spectrum of that. Um, so I'd just say, you know, one size won't fit all solutions to all this. And there's a, a Interesting things to be gained from both of them. Um,
3: That's how I feel about it too. Yeah.
4: There's also like the preference of the user. Like
0: sometimes I want to go to sleep and CBN will put me to sleep in like two hours. If I take like a few capsules of it and then wait, or I could for a few hours while I'm unwinding and like hanging out with my wife, smoke a few joints, uh, vaporize a few bong bowls and slowly gather enough THC in my system to saturate my endocannabinoid system to make me feel sleepy enough feel comfortable enough to go fall asleep where I might not even need the CBN at all. Um so there's like different avenues of using cannabis to get you to the same endpoint. Like both I'm ending up sleeping and happy and comfortable, but um it's just different means to the same end.
3: Yeah. I mean I feel like there can't not be both situations where you want the larger robust comprehensive um you know multifaceted effects and the targeted single double triple you know, tripartite effects of maybe a selection. Maybe you're trying to avoid, like we like to often bring up, um, you know, some sort of a antagonistic effect. Tons of compounds have them, even foods that we eat can have, like, for example, I love grapefruits. I'm a big fan of citrus in general, which is why the Asian citrus psyllid scares me so much. Um, but uh, grapefruit juices, you know, certain compounds of grapefruit juice, which I'm forgetting the terms uh, currently, those can interfere with a lot of medications. So like, obviously you would want to not do that. So that's also true for other physiological, natural things going on in your body.
4: Yeah. I'm trying to figure out, I remember what that stuff is in grapefruit juice too. There's a, but yeah, I know what you're talking about, Matthew.
0: Yeah. So, but I, I mean, what? how do you feel about the idea that like a terpene is a terpene? Because some people feel like, Cannabis derived terpenes are better than uh, a pine tree derived pine, right? Like some people are turned
4: off by the fact that it might well,
0: come from I wonder a non cannabis production.
4: Yeah, that just seems cannabis. so unnecessary to me. So I guess that I'm, I'm a bigger fan of cannabis derived cannabis. I mean, yeah, as opposed to trying to make our cannabis with other things, um, cannabis does a really good job of growing cannabis itself. So I'm always somewhat put off by efforts to grow it in petri dishes or to, to sort of reconstitute it from other ingredients if that's what you're getting at. Now, if you're getting at like making the, my floor cleaning product that can come from pine trees or I suppose cannabis, although that would be a weird way to use your cannabis. Um, but if it comes to something that I'm going to be ingesting, I, I'd infinitely prefer that it was the original plant.
3: I also think that my cannabis products should have, should be from cannabis and that the compounds therein should be that way. But um,
0: how about when you roll a joint, is it rice paper or is it hemp paper or is it uh, some other plant leaf?
3: Well, actually, I was going to say that uh, first of all, the the moiety of some of these compounds might matter. Like, you know, they're, they're or chirality or whatever, you know, how they're shaped and, Sometimes there's certain terpenes and other compounds that are, can be, you know, sort more of a family rather than one or two that were. Aware yeah. Of. Subtle then,
4: differences between them.
3: Yeah. And then also like, I mean, I, I think that it's, it's not invalid to say that like some of these terpenes from other plants can also have beneficial effects. And in the same way, you know, it, like separated, right. Like maybe that's very reductionist of me.
4: Correct. Well, uh, I think that if you're dealing with like, how do we make this product? And is it okay if we're going to use the
3: yeah the I don't pine like
4: from a pine tree versus just the pine? And but if it's a cannabis product, right? I, I wish you would stay. I mean, it probably would be fairly comparable in a lot of ways. I don't yeah. know, it could be comparable some, in a lot of ways. Some but-
5: benign chemicals, when concentrated, aren't so benign. And yeah. there studies when you burn the terpenes at a certain temperature, they become, uh, yeah, detrimental. Yeah. Yeah, so there's two so different questions. I don't like, like concentration that- a lot in my person. I like, yeah, like FICO, like Spartan says, sorry, Doc. But everything in the plant compounds is a ratio. Leaving it like that, I think, is the best way to use cannabis. But, yeah, that's just me.
0: What if they can get to the point where they figure out every single thing in that HPLC test, they know exactly what that plant would produce, like they get like a blue dream profile. Yeah, they're, they're not there yet, not there. but they're close. They know like the top 10 terpenes in a common strain, right? So if they, they want to make a blue God. dream lollipop, <laughs> they can get fairly close and they can infuse and doesn't matter if the alpha pinene then came from a pine tree. When they're using distillate to get the terpenes and THC to the exact ratios that would have come off of the plant when it's extracted, just how you would yeah. extract it
5: for making RSO, like Mother it, Nature puts it together better, man. Trust me. And I'm, I'm with this you. This sounds like, guys, like mother, artificial mother mother processed food, cheese food. <laughs> yeah, yes, I mean, I does. would, be,
1: I would, I would try it. I would try it if they said that it was exactly the same chemically.
0: I would fucking try it. And,
1: and well,
5: out of curiosity, side. right? I hate Marinol. Yeah. It didn't work. I'll tell well, you this I, would I, I use a brand
0: called Steezy, and they make a concentrate that's based off of a Blue Dream terpene test that they made a, a natural concentration. They, they tested the concentrate from that Blue Dream full profile. And then they replicate as closely as they can into their cart based on. As many terpenes as they can source, and they have cannabis-derived ones. They have, a, and they'll tell you on their box. There's a cannabis-derived brand, and then they just have their normal, less expensive brand. Is
5: so there
1: a cute, reason don't to see do this smoke this other, other cart, than
4: though. other than
0: legally?
1: If you put it in a cart, that's a good way for me not to ever smoke it.
0: <laughs> I was going to ask. It's cart. only for convenience, like when I'm on the show, or I don't. Out and it's around. very
1: convenient for me to smoke. Is there extra
5: THC thrown there. in just for the hell of it? the thc is in well, the
4: ratios that it would be if you extracted it like okay. of cash there you go that's
5: pretty
1: yeah cool. if they have but the exact ratio. why
4: why do we need to get the pinene from pine trees is it just because it's, it's, easier, it's cheaper or it's way less expensive it, it's it one of on one
0: hundred thousandth of the costs like right. it's, it's not so, even in the same spectrum there's so much abundant pine like or, here's my example why yeah, it doesn't matter to me same, why it doesn't matter to me just let me walk you through it i smoke a joint in the morning right whatever it's got it's full spectrum or if i on a distillate pen all morning. And it's only THC. If I walk outside in San Diego and there's rosemary growing and I grab it and I rub it between my hands and I smell the alpha pinene, and it smells fucking delicious and beautiful. It's got its own full spectrum. There's more than just alpha pinene in there, but that yeah. enhances my high of the THC and my experience. I've had it happen. It changes how I feel as I'm walking through the day. It, it changes. It modulates that came from a natural plant in nature. It didn't come from cannabis, but it impacted how I'm feeling while I'm experiencing that cannabis.
4: So so wait 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 i think you need to rephrase the question then and if your question was like can i you know like inhale or infuse rosemary in my experience to elevate my cannabis experience if can i combine i'm i'm very much that sounds like fun i got a rosemary bush outside and i'm thinking hmm, maybe i should go rub some of this between my knee my my fingers and be like sn- sniffing it while i'm you know smoking my bowl i was making
0: charas on a hike the other day i was like there was just a bush and i pulled yeah one branch <laughs> off and i like rubbed it if, if hand, that's the resin. question
4: but the way you're phrasing it makes me think of industrial factory somewhere where they're yeah. like harvesting like. And, and putting it together into a bottle to sell me at a gas station. And that's just not. That's what it comes deal. down Ooh. to, in like
0: the Orwellian future, right, where we can test it. We have labs that will be able to give yeah. you the exact ratios. I'm only asking because. I follow other scientists who are doing shit like where they're growing THC and yeast. That's not where I'm trying to get my THC from. I like to grow my own plants at home. I'm just asking the question because the science exists, people are doing it, whether you like it or not, it's happening. You yeah, probably well, you products. asked us if we
4: liked it isn't know, that
3: know, what you asked us? Yeah. Well, well here's my no, question.
0: First of all, I was asking you you if you would if you would think it's chemically different Right. is it is it going to produce a different effect to the end user like myself mm-hmm. if I'm consuming it if it came directly from the plant at the exact same ratio let's say 20 years from now they know every single c- compound in that plant down to the milligram every single last one is it going to be different if it came from a plant by itself than if it was produced in a lab? I well, let,
4: me it, the, the, uh, the let me put it let me put it this growing. way. You can have every single ingredient of a cake and in like a bowl. And then you could also have like a cake. Um, eating those two things isn't going to be exactly the same experience. Right. So it, it also needs to be constituted the same way. Um, the chemical bonds need to come together in, in, in the same or similar fashion. It, um, and a lot of that can be probably resolved through chemistry. So it, it may be a little bit more complicated than just hitting the same ratios, but it's got to also be sort of like, uh, That's constituting true. in the same way and, and, and all of that, but yeah. It's okay. Like how you could have It looks different... like an
0: oil at the end of the day. It's like, this one's a live resin and this one is a distillate mixed with terpenes. And if I gave it to a hundred people, do you know how many would be able to tell me the difference? I that's don't know. I'm not. I've given it to every every single person. It's COVID yeah, time. But so I'm not just handing them out.
5: Right? But in yeah. the past, <laughs> yeah.
0: So what's right and what's happening is is a different question. I'm just talking about from a medical patient perspective. If maybe they're not able to afford the most expensive plant derived version, we're talking about people that maybe are low income, disabled. Maybe yeah. they can only afford the lower expense, like priced medicine. And if that's all that is affordable for them, and it's the same exact cannabinoid ratio, is that? Is that company doing a terrible thing by trying to provide them a lower cost alternative? I'm always going to get You're it. You're not
4: giving us a lot of room here to say that they are, Jack. I just want to point that out. You're, it, it just no longer feels like sort of like a question where we really want to hear our opinions, but rather to sort of impress upon us that, which I, I give you. Sure. Um, I'm only playing devil's advocate. That's you have I access to. I, I'm uh, but I think we'd need to get into being chemists to be able to, to really evaluate whether it would be well, here's... equivalent. Here's my
3: thing. What I don't, what I kind of don't like is when this is sort of oversimplified as like, you know, like, oh, it's like from nature, Mother Nature, like these plants without human intervention do not make the compounds that they do at the levels that we typically see. Right? Like, that's true. That's a true statement. Correct. they're all
4: being bred that way through selective artificial selection.
3: Yeah, so... There's that. And actually, I think what you say, uh, Dr. Coco, is super valid because it's like with pesticides, right? I mean, people don't want to go here, perhaps, but like there's different formulations. Like you, you can tell me on, on, a, on a data sheet, like five different products have the same percent of, I don't know, azadirachtin or some other botanical compound, let's say. But um, the way that they're formulated can be vastly different, and exactly. that will definitely change the effects. So your point about constitution, I think, is super valid. Um, and on top of that, I'm also dubious. I, I don't think that it's. I don't think that it's impo- I think that these various compounds can have great effects, and even if they're not from cannabis. Like, obviously, they can still have beneficial effects in unison, solely, individually, right? Depends on what you're, again, it always depends on what you're trying to do, what your goal, what you're trying to do with it. You know, you can't just say. Have any of
5: you guys tried the Marinol, the pill, THC pill? No. I've tried it. And and I'm sure it was handled properly. And yeah, I really didn't feel anything at all.
4: Well, you probably got a pretty yeah. good tolerance to DHT. Yeah. <laughs>
5: <laughs> I mean, I'm just joking,
4: with this other. That's you're probably your first go little. around, right?
5: That's true, true. Yeah, at yeah. that point. Yeah. Well,
3: I, sure I guess at the end of the day, I just feel like um, it, it's like, for me, what would bother me is not that, like, the products, like, there's some sort of, like, inherent vitalism or something that, like, because it came from a cannabis plant, it must be, like, you know, better or worse or something like right. maybe there is some level of that, but like to me, what would always bother me is the idea. And this is also how I feel about like pesticides and stuff. And why I don't like to spray in flowers as much as possible is that through that industrial process that you reference Dr. Coco, like things can happen that the purple, the people manufacturing don't realize the consumers don't realize might be a problem. Might be a health effect might change it in some fundamental way. Um, constitutively, like you say, so that's usually what gets to me, not like the idea that it's like unnatural or it's somehow artificial or not gonna be good for some sort of reason like that, but more so because it'll be good because of the process not being uh, great.
4: And I'm willing to say that it could be better potentially yeah yeah if we really understood what we were doing there in in the same way that i think that like growing indoors in a tent can be better than growing outdoors in terms of sort of being able to control things and other stuff like that we'd be able to have a a, a similar degree of of control and potentially fine-tuning things that were really perfect for us um yeah so i I definitely say it could be better (laughs) one other thing that came up there though was this this whole talk about cost from my mind any other thing maybe pining from pine trees because damn pine trees produce a lot more pining than cannabis does but cannabis should be a cheap crop to grow and the only reason we think it's so expensive is because of the legal regime around it and you know, it would be a lot easier to, to make cannabis sort of cheaper and more available by, by changing the legal regime than trying to sort of reconstitute artificial cannabis in a lab. I mean, that's sort of the other place that, that my mind goes in terms of like the accessibility argument that Jack makes. And I, I agree that as long as cannabis is really expensive, there are people that would benefit from getting it that can't afford it. Um, And maybe if we could make sort of artificial cannabis cheaper than current cannabis, but it it shouldn't be that way. Cannabis should be, you know, the cost of like grain or something else as an agricultural commodity at that level. We should be able to, to, that's all just the legal regime.
0: I guess I wasn't as much advocating that companies do that. It's just showing the idea that it's a possibility and more so trying to highlight that there are other medicinal plants out there that maybe as cannabis community, some of us embrace and highlight, like I know Spartan grows other Herbs in his garden, and he grows his own food. And there's something I think healthier about cultivating your own garden and, and having those things around. Well, I'm
4: straight up gonna go get some rosemary, and I'm, I mean, I think this is a really interesting idea. And I'm gonna be like smoking a bowl and like rubbing rosemary and like sniffing my rosemary while I'm smoking my bowl. And uh, I mean,
1: pick a lemon. Uh, I'm slice kind of just
4: think, just talking about it. I'm like, yeah, that's a, gonna change a, the effects somehow. I'm looking 50 forward 50. to it. Drop some of your for some
1: water. lime juice in your bong water.
0: There you go. It does. I've done that with, with even essential oils. I'll put a little pine essential oil in my bong water or citrus essential oil in my bong water. And it does, in my experience, change the effect quite a bit. And I think that even if you just have an aromatherapy diffuser, like where you put essential oil in that thing that's missed out across your room, if you have a lavender, it's calming. And while you're smoking whatever cannabis and also smelling the lavender, it can just enhance the effects. And I think something uh, that might be embraced by people in the cannabis community it, it, it certainly has added a lot to my enjoyment of, of cannabis. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to kind of bring it up, but I also agree with you, doc, because skunk man, Sam uh, has talked about, he's bred even like specific terpenes up to like between 20 and 30% in a specific, uh, plant. So if you wanted a, a cannabis derived terpene super high, you could breed, uh, and grow greenhouses or right. acres full of it acres. and machine harvest crop it. And just, just extract it for that exactly. specific terpene exactly. or the profile. Yeah. So that's and if there I'm, wasn't I, such an arbitrary legal
4: regime around this, right? If it wasn't just like ridiculous, because cannabis can produce a lot of compounds that would probably be commercially scalable like that. I want um, that to be in every state across all fifty states. That's so like that's my dream: is every state
0: is growing mass huge crops of cannabis for different terpenes and medical effects and and, and highs and just beauty like so there'll be some spot that's just grown a bunch of freak show or something you know and that's like a fun yeah. place for people to just go vacation and check out all these crazy ass cannabis plants but then there's another spot that's like there's a citrus grove of cannabis where it just smells like fucking oranges and lemons over here and you can just walk through rows and rows of cannabis where you get tons of limonene but you're also getting the flavonoids esters aldehydes ketones and minor things that are hard to find and um just great to experience on a live plant like walking past live plants as we all know growing them is an amazing experience even some people might argue as enjoyable as consuming them for a lot of people it becomes as fun or more fun than actually smoking the plant at the end of it is being around a live one so
4: it's tough to compare them there's such different forms of satisfaction but they're both very satisfying
0: i'll never give up either one (laughs) that's my life's goal is to be able to continue growing and consuming cannabis and uh, enjoying the beauty of a plant that it is it offers us so much variety that it's just fun that we can talk about it for three years in a row for two hours at a time and always have new shit to talk about. It's when is our anniversary? It's got to gotta
4: be coming up. It's in February, isn't it? Three
0: episodes to be technical for live shows. We missed two because I messed up. Like I didn't have the Zoom linked up to the YouTube. So we had like two that didn't go. So technically we're at 155 right now, 156. So next episode would be officially three years. But if we're going to count like actual shows. It'd be 156.
4: when was the date of our first show? That's what I'd like to count it from.
0: Oh, that'd be an interesting one to
1: go look back at. I'm not 100% sure. Well, there was a podcast. I mean, it was fucking a show for... This show has been going
0: forever, man. Yeah, a lot of them got deleted off YouTube, but it's on Stitcher still. You can go back and find the first one.
4: It was me, Skilbo,
0: and um, I can't remember who else was on it, but me, Skilbo, Shane, and uh, maybe a few others.
4: Yeah, I was there at the beginning of this show. Yeah, it was a flat, I was a late Yep.
0: A lot of us did shows before Growing With My Fellow Growers. We had individual shows. We went yeah. on and did little interviews. And then kind of we collected a group of people who had already been on in the past. And that became Growing With My Fellow on Growers. On the Cheap
4: Home Grow Show. Yeah, he was doing a podcast for a while. Um, and then this show spun out of that. Right. right. This is
0: the only surviving <laughs> legacy of the Cheap Home Grow. I think there occasionally is a hydro hustlers here and there when Miss Nudie grows. Uh, yeah, and time. it's because
4: of you, Jack, I think. I mean, you picked up the reins and you kind of just carried it and you show up sure. and organize the show every week. So we all owe you a debt of gratitude. We all like showing up here. But, um, I mean, I don't know, maybe one of the rest of them would have, have sort of done that work. But I, I definitely give you credit for making sure that this show continues to exist. So, cheers. Well, there's all yeah, thanks for picking, picking up topics, the door. Everything. he does a lot of work. Yeah, I mean, somebody's got to run the show, and the show actually comes across the audience like it's you know a, a well done show. So,
0: um, I'm I'm used to winging it, you know, building the plane, uh, plane as I'm flying it, and I got past the reins by a really awesome person who'd already built a great audience of really friendly knowledgeable people and i feel like i was kind of blessed with this because i learned from it each week and i enjoy everyone's company on the panel who's here and, and who's not here still they're always welcome back all the people from way back and the people that are normally here everybody's oh, welcome uh, the regulars on the panel and it's just
4: You're most I, of our audience here today even though there's like another event going on at the same time
0: over half in, in some shows I, I would say like our average is between 125 and 150 live. And I see right now we've got 83. Sometimes my thing doesn't update. I don't know what you guys are seeing live in chat, but
1: on the Super Bowl, that's amazing.
0: Yeah. I'm impressed. I see
4: 121.
0: Out. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's that's my phone not being updated. So we definitely have uh, the majority of our crowd here. Unless I'm
4: like off base here. Somebody can be like, it's not one twenty one. I, I don't have it.
0: I only have the chat open.
1: Mine
4: says one twenty-two now. Yeah, 122. 122. Okay, I
0: just I pulled up on my actual laptop, not my phone. And, 121. Uh,
4: this this chatter It caused one of them to go away. Oh, 123, we got them back now. Okay, now we got us. <laughs> Anyways, guys. Yeah, I'm impressed. I thought maybe we'd have 20 people watching three of us talking. And yeah, uh, I'm cheers impressed to everybody showing, showing up. up. Cheers to yeah. putting your priorities straight. Cannabis I'm is definitely, say,
5: we got definitely a smart, the right priority. You got a smart audience
1: yeah <laughs> yeah they they're token on some super bowls yeah
5: there you go or well, they're probably multitasking but that's okay <laughs> i one
4: more the these bro on series things uh, the the okay. bro science bowls to get through or i'd
1: it... like to, to share mine before i gotta go pretty soon yeah.
4: yeah spartan had a great one the, before
1: the, the show. well i've got a new one so the one that the <laughs> the bro science one that i really wanted is my favorite it usually comes from a, a doctor like we've been talking or a fucking politician that's another big one and, it, and they say, well, cannabis is a medicine. There's no proof of it, there's no papers on it, or whatever. And then <laughs> that's when I'd pull up my phone and I said, You ever heard of a thing called Google Scholar? Let's just put cannabis medicine in there. And there's always over a 100,000. And um, actually, before the show started, I Googled it myself today. And the current number is, I think it's 300, 328,000 results. So you just tell them, no, you're just lazy. You're not educating yourself. Just get on there, educate yourself, and then come back and talk to me.
5: I believe our U.S. government holds patents on uh, referring yeah. to cannabinoids, neuroprotective protective medical. properties. Yeah, dude.
0: You can just Google so, ca-
5: cannabis yeah, patent is,
4: number, and so, then a big long number comes up, and you will find. I just want to feel like we've moved on since then. I feel like this is like, come on, really get like, welcome to like. I've recently
1: been told, like, like within five yes. years ago, I've had a medical doctor tell me that that yeah. no. I'm like, I, I
5: believe on. you. I hate to say it out loud, but so maybe perhaps I won't. But if you trust the government on anything, go back to cannabis and rethink what you believe for real. That's all I'm going to say, man.
0: I'll I'll give you a a nod and say historically, the cannabis has been very dishonestly described by the U.S. government, mischaracterized at, uh, you know, to be generous and propaganda was spewed in in rhetoric that was terrible and racist um to be if you want to really look into it and be honest there was just a lot of misinformation spread deliberately to make it out to seem like it was some demonizable thing when most of us really know it's um fairly innocuous as far as all drugs are concerned there was like a scale and i think like mushrooms is yeah. less dangerous but like they did a scale of like damage or like alcohol cocaine heroin all these other drugs Obviously, and cannabis was like pretty down close to the fucking bottom as far as like physical harm uh financial damages like people in prison because of it and things like that. Like the prison part, that's another yeah. conversation, but the, the damage is caused, caused
4: by prohibition of cannabis, not by cannabis itself.
0: I would agree. 100%. The enforcement of it too. I mean, like the people who've been killed, the dogs who have been killed, the families who have been ruined because somebody happened to be, you know, distributing it or growing it in a red right. state at the wrong time. Most it's states, right. I just posted a thing that changed. It showed like the progression over time. It was like medical states and then uh, recreational states. And it's getting, there's less and less red states all the time. So we're moving in the right direction. It's just like this weird federal holdout. There's a lot of like lobbying behind closed doors, pharmaceutical lobbying, prison lobbying, unfortunate shit like that, like Tao saying. Um, sometimes we can't trust the government because they might be uh, people with deep pockets trying to persuade them to do un- unright shit like the MCMA and fuck the MCMA. And I'll pass it to Spartan on that note.
1: Thank you. Yeah, fuck the MCMA for sure they are still trying stuff. I'm not going to talk too much about them. Fuck them anyway, but yeah, they are still trying to pass pills and we're still actively pushing back. So the fight continues, but everything's looking good. Nothing to be worried about. Uh, everybody, thank you for having the show and this was a surprising turnout for me. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but it surprised the shit out of me. So I'm encouraged by that. And, uh, yeah, everybody just have a great night and, uh, Check me out! I'm going on to the Michigan Bros Grow Show here, and we got Kazu coming on with us tonight. So,
5: oh, a lot of, so a lot of people know
1: him in the community. Yeah, so uh, it's going to be sweet hanging out with Kazu. So, catch me out there. See you guys. Love, Spartan. Well. Cheers,
0: Spartan. Spartan. Fuck the MCMA, and cheers to Kazu. He has done some of these really cool art things where uh, he hand draws like uh, art that like a cannabis plant like that's fucking the words MCMA. It's, it's, pretty funny. And then also like Johnny cash renderings where he's like flipping off, but it says fuck the MCMA in there. He's spreading it around the community. So getting the word out I, as long as I can remember from when I was a young kid, even before, like my parents weren't very into cannabis, but like in the public scene, I feel like cannabis was always sort of this political activist thing and every state people were trying to get it legalized and everybody kind of had their different pushes and, and the people that were really into cannabis kind of in one way or another, Some of them got into that political side, like Normal has been around since the 70s. Shane had the founder of Normal on and uh, was interviewed. So You can find that on Stitcher. It was a good throwback episode, but it's been going on for a long time and people are like, oh, it's never going to get legalized. It's never going to get legalized. But slowly we're inching back towards more of a cannabis friendly world in the US and around the world. you guys have any more bro science that you'd want to bring up Spartan the one that he mentioned uh, pre-show that we didn't talk about was stem splitting so I guess I could talk to uh, Matthew about that before we go he said people are always asking him should they drive uh, a nail through their stock late flower or split their stem somehow with uh, any sort of implement
3: oh yeah that's an interesting one so like I mean there are and this kind of gets because I was going to mention like my old pal you know the bricks question that people like to ask about but uh it's sort of like um Some people even heard that, like, bumblebees, for example, will, like, uh, stick their uh, tongues through, like, petals and leaves, um, I think mostly leaves, to, like, stimulate the production of nectar. So, like, definitely plants have a reaction to certain kinds of stressors. Now, sometimes, or damage in this case, sometimes that's a generalized uh, reaction, and sometimes it's more specialized based on, like, things that like certain compounds and and, uh, structures and molecular stuff that is detected essentially. Um, So, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily wrong, wrong to say that like, like cutting a leaf or a stem or roots or something like that, like tissue damage will create a physiological response in the plant, but that's a very vague statement. And I don't know if like, that's always going to have the intended effect that you want because it's happening within the milieu of all these other things that the plant is sensing, detecting, you know, metabolizing, uptaking, you know? So, and I couldn't tell you what those specific things are necessarily. Like a lot of those things like Dr. Coco, I'm sure would uh, be happy to mention, like, for example, basic things like um, like if you cut at the top you, uh, you know, sort of change the production of certain hormones, like oxen, for example, you know, so that dominance goes away. Uh, so we exploit these natural reactions to what essentially damage, right? Uh, but people don't think about it in that way. They just think of that about it as a cultivation technique, but it's really more complicated than that. So, I it mean, I guess, you, yeah. Yeah. The, the,
4: yeah, the driving the mistake through the, the stock is... An interesting one. Um, yeah, I'm not I, sure about I agree. It myself. I agree, Matthew. That what's the vulnerability? You know, there's a lot of selective stressing that we do for plants that um, provides different benefits. There's been studies that showing selectively stressing plants can produce, you know, improved harvests in terms of harvest quality. Uh, Jack likes the the University of Golf study about uh, drought stressing plants. Yeah. Um, you know. It, I so feel like the there is a reason to believe that it, it could be potentially um, sort of productive. On the other side of this, you have to have the the sort of reality that, you know, plants have a limited amount of energy, like any living organism. And to the extent that they're forced to to devote that energy to repairing something, they're not devoting that energy to some other aspect of plant growth. Um and that's the one that really trips me up with the, the heavy damage to the plants, I, either stripping leaves like that or driving a stake through the stalk towards harvest. Um, so I, I don't know, but I don't think that there's a lot of or any credible research that suggests that that is um, something that does improve the harvest. And I don't think anybody studied sort of when or how or why. Something I haven't.
0: Like I haven't seen any done, and I've looked, um, and I can't I find feel any like stock splitting.
5: I feel like I we know, will, know that wounds.
0: I want to ask you, Matthew. What what does that put you vulnerable to? Because I feel like I'd imagine right. certain molds, mildews, and, and pests that you wouldn't be vulnerable to prior to driving a literal nail between the center stock. So that one specifically, if you drove a right. like, metal, yeah, that, that, spike that seems to
4: be a big concern through. on the people
0: do that side. a lot though. I see this one like it's very commonly replicated. I Agree.
4: I agree. I, I think there say, might have been
0: a study, a, a study like on one of the forums back in the day that claimed it it spikes your THC by like X percent. You know, it was one of those kind of like. A, I also saw a claim. Am doing it before before harvest.
5: Yeah, I know. Yeah. I saw a reference that denounced it or whatever. I don't. I'm skipping. I'm forgetting the word, but like, yeah, said so that that was BS basically. But I also read accounts where they stuff in certain countries. They would cut it, slice the stem, and stuff it with opium. Which I don't know. What hmm. like that might have. Maybe it would like like celery go up to the flower. I have no idea. But yeah, I read that so- at some place too. I don't like the sound of that. I could probably don't. find. <laughs> yeah. I
4: think that There's might also- change your, your 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 you know results. But I'm not even sure about that. How much of the opium would get like sequestered in the flower um... or
3: metabolized afterwards. But that's an interesting thing. Um... Worse than
4: that, though, was the passaw
0: water, which is like the runoff water from the opium that was used in the Thailand and the Philippines for a number of years during the opium extraction process. They would soak some of the leaves for like Thai sticks and wrap the ropes and things with that. And it was found in like the DEA when they would confiscate the stuff and test for it. There was traces of opium in the actual cannabis that was being confiscated so that would be a different experience than i'd ever be looking for personally so uh some nasty histories i
3: I would say that the stake i mean let's walk through like just the basic physiology right like nothing magical or, or super advanced like so you drive that point did you sterilize it probably not so you put that onto the trunk and then you nail that thing right through so you penetrate through all these protective tissues right? Right and you create a wound and even though you have this giant thick you know piece of metal and hopefully like i mean is it iron is it steel right i don't know but um one theory i had
4: was that it was helped with iron uptake so in that case they were probably using iron nails
3: right no that's and like and i can and i think this goes back to right what you just said dr coco in the beginning About how people have a little bit of idea, yeah, a little bit of knowledge, enough to like do some danger,
0: get uh, copper in there and ground it, you know, for the yes, frequencies. Yes. There, there you go.
4: Well, you know, well, martial well, artist brings something up in the chat that I think is interesting. He says he always took it as a tactic to bring on on fading plants to bring it Chris, beat God. the end of the season. Um, <laughs> driving the stake was at outdoor practice, and to a certain extent, there might be something like that. To the extent that a flowering plant thinks it's about to die, um, mm-hmm. it, it could hasten its harvesting process um, or hasten its maturation process um, to try to sort of beat its own death. But nah, maybe, I maybe that's what's going on. I feel like there might be safer on. ways. Uh, yeah, there would I, mean,
3: be. I I feel like there's safer ways to sort of produce those results potentially. And the other thing is that like, I almost feel like you get into like girdling territory if you're like really not careful with like the width and like the way that you go about that. Um, and I just feel like it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be my preferred way to do that sort of a thing personally. Um, I know we don't have a ton of time left. I just wanted to say that like, uh, all that we talked, we had about constituents and like effects of the body with certain cannabinoids and terpenes and, and various volatile organic compounds and that sort of thing. Like, um, you know, like, that's the same for like pests and stuff too. Like, it's crazy to me. And people already know my opinion on this. But like, you know, when people say that, like, if you make a plant, like, if you give a plant as much photosynthesis as it can make and increases BRICS levels and the sugar content, and other phytochemicals that will make a plant tolerant, resistant, immune, these words mean something very specific. And it's kind of like, you know, if they affect your body, they also affect other organisms too. But like a lot of organisms are counting on those effects. Like maybe they're for their own defenses, they sequester them in their bodies. Or like if a plant has like, I don't know, like people will say like, if your plant has pests, then it can't possibly be healthy. Meanwhile, you're calling, you know, this plant has like 30%, you know, terpenol uh, or, or limonene or or, or alpha pinene or something. It's like, uh, you know, for one insect, that might be a repellent. For another insect, it might be specifically looking for that compound uh, for whatever metabolic reason or something. Um, And for similar reasons, we like to imbibe these compounds because they have various effects on us, like nicotine or caffeine or, um, you know, other sorts of things that are more nutritional. Yeah. Uh, So anyways, I had to get that one in there.
4: I gotta say, this was one of my favorite episodes. I I really enjoyed a bunch of the topics that we got in today. Um, and I did not like Spartan was saying earlier. You know, I had no idea what to expect. So, cheers to everybody for showing up. Cheers, Matthew and and Jack. Is it and Tao still here? Right. Yep. Yeah. Yes, I'm here. And I so I I
5: missed the beginning, so I didn't know you we were talking bro science. So, I gotta say, don't forget to add those crystals to that soil.
4: The Especially if if they semi-precious the Crystals you have been trending up. in chat lately I've definitely said, noticed. Oh, Under his breath <laughs> You missed it
5: yeah, Rose Quartz from the Himalayan mountains is there a specific food. mountain that you like other, better yeah, than I'm others? Like, you oh. have to go there personally, though. So Yeah, and
3: select like to your harvest. Heart, right? I like to harvest the black magics of the Marianas Trench, personally. That's it. That's as it. far down. down as possible. You
0: have to charge it under oh, a new moon gosh. or a full moon outside yeah. and let it charge. It and then you put it into your soil and it has to be, you know, tip up or tip down so that the energies yes. can flow up Thank through you. or down through, is what I've been told from the like hippie it. witches out there. So cheers like to all it. of them and their crystals. Crystal magic.
5: Crystal and metal. yeah don't crystal forget to say i chat. love you too
0: yeah tell your plants you love them i love the ikea study i know that one uh, might not necessarily have replicated the best but uh they did the side-by-side with the kids bully so, a
5: plant i was they... watching a podcast and they were talking about science how important it is to be scientific and and i knew sink angel would love this they quoted the motto, uh oh sure work yeah Going oh, no, over, wait, man. What were you
0: gonna
5: say? <laughs> a little hippy dippy stuff don't hurt if it like i always say if you think it helps but it doesn't cost but pennies you may as well throw it if you know it won't hurt if, if it doesn't hurt, hurt
3: and it doesn't cost a lot of money i think yeah that's the, yeah right if if if
5: you're you're gonna, now you, you see sticking a uh, knife uh, or a pen a nail through your stalk might hurt the plant so i wouldn't do that but like right. yeah other it might be more costly you know. for sure yeah there's a lot
4: of end of grow practices that that i'm um, i'm with you there Tao. like Wait, if you think this is, is gonna market. help yeah go for it because it's gonna help because you think it's gonna help and you're gonna like the harvest better because you did that because you think that that's gonna help so do that because and who
5: knows how you know 90 of grow. what is
4: real is because you think it's real there you go
0: you put in that extra effort, you know, you snow flushed, you ice flushed. You did the thing that you read on the internet that told you it would make your plants better. And mainly you gave attention to detail and you were there with your plant from start to finish and you loved it. You dried it and cured it the best you could. And uh, you enjoyed the hell out of it. But with that said, this has been a fun episode. The bro science bowl based on the super bowl, which is still playing right now. uh, 20 to 16 Cincinnati is beating the Rams currently in the third quarter. So here's everybody who made it Uh, 20 uh, Cincinnati, 16, the Rams. So they're up by four. It's the exact okay. Vegas spread currently. It was a four and a half, and the Rams were supposed to lose by four and a half. So they're right on the Vegas odds. You know, but I think said,
5: the, the Simpsons predicted it. I forget what was. It, it was Photoshopped, was.
0: unfortunately. I oh, it. no. Yeah. People <laughs> like right. to make like the Simpsons, but a lot of times I do there you go. stuff. But yeah. the American one. I'll pass it to you first this time to change
5: it up. Bam. I'm the American one. It was good to be here, and uh, I always love talking bro sides and cannabis, so... I'm glad I made it tonight, and uh, I wasn't in chat that much. But peace to everyone in chat, and yeah, it was awesome being here. Peace out!
0: Thank you for joining us. And next up, we have Doctor MJ. Hey
4: guys, yes, and um, you know, happy Valentine's Day too. We were thinking all about the Super Bowl today, but it is a Valentine's Day tomorrow. And I didn't mention this at the top, but we're doing a, a Grower Love giveaway tomorrow. Um, all you got to do is go to the deals and discounts page on Cocoa for cannabis There's a bunch of different ways to register for that, including like following Jack Greenstock and following Matthew Zenthanol's channels. Um, so spread the grower love, enter in a cool light. I had a lot of fun on today's episode and um, yeah, come check us out at coco for I'm Dr. MJ Coco and I'll see you guys next week.
0: Thank you so much for joining us. I always appreciate your input and the love and uh, community spread that you're having there. I like the following gets you extra entries. It's a great way to build the community up. And I appreciate that. And last and certainly not least, Matthew Gates.
3: I have to agree with Dr. uh, MJ Coco. This was a great episode. I love to tackle and scrutinize certain certain ideas. But like I commented just now in the chat, um, people know me as very critical and scrutinizing like I just described, but um, I do want to express that, like, again, if it isn't costly to you, and it isn't really uh, a big effort on your part, and it doesn't harm you or hurt you, or you know, do a lot of that, then uh, you know, if it if it, you feel like it increases your quality for whatever reason, you know, that's not a terrible thing to do. And uh, even if I might disagree or think that the effects aren't actually happening, um, there you are seeing improvements right? And so at the end of the day, that's the result that you're getting. And so I would say power on. If you'd like to see my stuff about plant health, you can find me at zenthanol.com for professional inquiries. And you can also find me at zenthanol on YouTube, on Instagram, at sinkangel, and on Twitter at sinkangel. Great chat, by the way. Uh, I really enjoyed the engagement.
0: I didn't uh, communicate as much with the chat as I would have liked to. It was such a good conversation. And, uh, I wish we would have pulled up some more of their stories, but I feel like we had plenty to keep us engaged for the show. I had a great time communicating with all of you. I wanted to cheers to Lady Greenstock. She gave me her, it's Galentine's. There was a ladies event, uh, women in cannabis, where they did like a pre-Valentine's thing where she got this strawberry cough cart where she doesn't like sativas or uplifting, like stuff that would make her more paranoid. The fruitier stuff doesn't give her the effect she's looking for, but it uh, helps keep me going during the show after a long week. But with that said, I'm at Jack Greenstock. I had a wonderful week. I want to thank Chad Westport, who's in the chat, who had me on uh, future cannabis project Two FCP O2) on YouTube. You could see my little logo here. I'm um, at Jack Greenstock on Instagram, Jack underscore Greenstock on Twitter. You can email me Jack Greenstock 47 at gmail.com. And uh, if you want a copy of the book, 50 strains of green, you could go to 50 strains.com. That's why I was on the show with Chad. He asked me a lot about the book, a lot about myself. It was a great time, like two and a half hours. And, um, don't normally talk about myself that much normally talk more about the content like the growing so it was a fun time cheers to chad and cheers everybody who showed up live and everybody who listens afterwards Uh, this is jack greenstock signing out catch y'all next week